Alright everybody, I've thought it through. Only a group counseling session can convince the doctors that you are really not crazy. So let's hear all your arguments again, and I'll make sure the physicians monitoring us are satisfied that you're not crazy. <clears throat> I'm Brian Gosling, and I don't care who knows. You have to let me out of here so I can collect all the royalties my movies are making. Sir, we've been over this. There is a Ryan Gosling, and he's very much alive. Didn't you see Bubba Hotep? Same thing happened to me, man. Totally unfair, too. Okay, I guess I'll come back to you. Next! The last time, I am John Smith. I don't care what your hotel registries say, there's only one of me, and I can guide you all over the new world if you have the money. Again, there's the slight problem of your having been dead for nearly 400 years. And a Disney movie making you into a... Oh my. Pedophile. Those arrogant swine making money off of my image? I'll stand for it. Sir, please, leave the fencing blade out of this. Okay, next. You silly, snooty people, leaving the greatest Frenchman of all to rot in this filthy place. Napoleon will not stand for it. We've been over this. If you could conquer most of Europe, why can't you get out of here if you are Napoleon? Because you speak English, because the English who poison me. Fit the English swan. I will march again. Fine, fine. You'll conquer the world if we give you a chance. Now, you're here. What's your story? I... I feel odd. It's the first time I've lived when I wasn't a blue-haired boy trying to save the world. I also haven't seen anyone named Nina around, and that makes me feel even stranger. You don't have a name? I, I've never said it aloud, but I think I can turn into a dragon. I feel... ghosty. Hey, I was right. Guess we'll go try to save the world now. Sorry, everyone. I guess I don't know my own strength. On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 8 squared, that's 64 for those of you who flunked Algebra, where we talk about your favorite RPGs from the days of Atari right up through yesteryear. I am your host, Phil Willis, and this is... The Minky available. My good friend, my comrade in arms, Mike. <laughs> My co-host, Mr. Mike Meeky, how are you doing this evening? Uh, my rear is sore after I fell on it yesterday. You That's the lesson about taking a wheelbarrow down a steep hill that is very, very waterlogged. Ew. Well, at least you fell on the padding, right? More or less, yeah. Okay. Stupid branches blowing off trees that I have to pick up. <laughs> ah, just leave them there. They don't hurt anybody. Tell my grandma that. Yeah, she never does buy into that. Yeah, let's see here. Next up, we got a lot of people to help us talk about a bunch of uh, Breath of Doohickey games tonight. 
First off, we have Mr. Zach fell out his house into a well, man. How are you doing tonight? Well, uh, a little surprised. I haven't heard that uh, nickname for quite some time, if ever. I'm doing pretty good. Alrighty, I like to keep you on your toes. Can we do anything fun, new, and exciting? Ready for a fun, exciting show about dragon doohickey something breath tonight? Yeah, he's excited. All right. And let's see, on his uh, 1800th show, Mr. Michael Ripped Abs. <laughs> oh, how are you doing tonight? Flexing him for the women on the beach, Mr. Abs? Um, not really. Traveling to the Southern Hemisphere in order to do that without catching cold? Uh, actually, that's not a bad idea. Why don't you have to beat him off with a stick with abs that look like yours? Uh, unfortunately, I have so, no such abs. I do have some nice apps, though. Ah, you have an app for abs. That's exactly correct. That'd be so cool. Just stick that on the iPad, tape it to your stomach, and you're good to go. Exactly. Awesome. No one would ever notice the difference. No, not at all. You just gotta make sure to cover the border that tends to be white or black. Just cover that with some makeup, flesh-colored makeup. You're all set. Exactly. Now, if someone comes and rips your abs off, it's gonna hurt a lot, though. That's the one thing you have to watch out for. Now, rip. And we're gonna have to look up for my ripped abs. That's right. <laughs> and the man who needs no introduction, the one, the only, the famous, Mr. Nathan Schulten. Yeah, just leave me alone. And let me be quiet for a little while and save my strength for the arguing to come. <laughs> Us oh? argue on the backtrack? Never. You're thinking of that old show we used to have. What was it called? The Mangum or something or other? We all, we all, we all gather together, hold hands together in the backtrack, and just sing Kumbaya. Or we sing something else, which has recently been on top of the pop charts, because you know we're very timely like that. Indeed, we are. And that's the message we hope to convey to our first-time visitor to the RPG backtrack, Mr. Ed Runner. I hate you so much. Oh. <laughs> I swear that's what it says right here, Ed Runner, right here on Skype. Right. You know, I, 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 will, I will give you credit. I actually have never been called that. Usually it's someone trying to do something stupid about, oh, some TV show. That stars a guy named Chuck Norris. He walks around ranging people. Possibly. Man, he is awesome. I want to be like him one day. <laughs> I hey, don't you laugh? I'm an orange belt man. I can beat up a ten year old. So you're like Kramer then? Yeah, exactly. I know how to open up a door too. It's awesome. So, Mr. Ed Walker, as this is your very first stop on the RPG backtrack, there is a gauntlet of questions that I must lead you through. Are you ready, my friend? Do you accept this RPG challenge? True, false, or multiple choice? No, these are essay questions. The false. <laughs> Number one, what's your handle on RP Gamer, and what do you do, if anything at all? <laughs> uh, I, I in IRC and stuff. I when I when I'm around, uh, and usually listed as Foxworth. And uh, most of the year, I I, just, I monitor the servers. I I. I Keep track of them, make sure that they're up and running. If there's a problem, I have to call the provider, find out what's wrong, and keep track of all that stuff. I do a lot of stuff that no one ever sees, such as my lot in life. He's the hidden man in the background. And then uh, this last year, uh, I've started 
joining our away teams again at different events, uh, doing behind the cameras work. Uh, uh, like I was at uh, E3 this last year, uh, I was responsible for actually doing the recording of all the various interviews that we were doing. So I was the person behind the camera laughing, trying not to laugh hysterically when, you know, Anna or Chris is doing something foolish. Um, and then continued that this last year at uh, PAX Prime. Uh, How common is it for Anna or Chris to do something foolish on camera? Have you guys seen the... Oh, I don't think we ever made that public. <laughs> wow. So well. we, we, we have an unlisted video on, on, the, on the, uh, the YouTube channel of an outtakes thing that I put together. Now, I how might long have to is it? About two minutes. Okay. We might uh, throughout the conversation when I'm not talking. I'll see if I can find it, and then we can possibly link it. Maybe we'll and, see. And you'll want to look up those show notes, boys and girls, at board.rbgamer.com. Awesome. Okay, your second question. Give us a brief overview of your gaming history, if any at all. My gaming history has actually changed quite a bit over the years. Um, as sad to say it, um, I don't do as much RPGs as I used to. Uh, those that I do do are usually uh, on a portable system. I just, for whatever reason, I just don't sit around in front of the TV as much as I used to. Um, that being said, though, instead of sitting around in front of the TV, I sit around in front of the computer monitor, and I would be lying if I said I was not an EQ2 right now. Um, <laughs> so... You, I, I primarily do MMOs anymore and also non-RPG stuff for first-person shooters because, well, it, it's fun. So you, pro you you said you do do MMOs or you don't? I, I, I do. Which ones? Although I I am proud to say that I have never played WoW. Oh, you're off the show. I'm sorry. It was nice. Thank you for joining the RPG Backtrack. Uh, better luck some other time. <laughs> yeah, on another show. I'm sure we have other podcast on this network somewhere that you can right join. yeah wow hater Pfft. i'm gonna replace every other word you say with the word not so all your sentences come out opposite that'll teach you a lesson bad mouth wow. i didn't say that i hated it i just said that you I said you were I've never played you it. said you were proud of it you should be ashamed ashamed i say <sighs> how do you figure because it's only the best mmo ever made so yeah really because i thought that that was um taken over by star wars <laughs> they wish oh do they wish <laughs> Poor Lucas. Anyway, um, what MMOs do you play? Uh, currently, EQ2 is my main one. Um, Which one? I unfortunately got myself in a position of actually having to be a guild officer in a raiding guild. Well, I, Anyone I, who's ever done that will know why I unfortunately got myself roped into it. I, I didn't quite... What, what was the name of the game again? EQ2. EverQuest 2. Oh, oh, EverQuest. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's still around. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's still releasing... Still getting heck, they're still doing expansions for EverQuest One. <laughs> I know. I I, I I I don't know why. Well, I well obviously because it's what's weird is that EQ Two went to free to play before EQ One. Oh, that's hilarious. If I recall. Well, I mean, they're still. My wife plays Ultima Online. They still charge her fifteen dollars a month. I have a friend that actually used to uh, do work uh, on Ultima Online. Doing something like the uh, the community content and events and stuff that they would do in in world, mm -hmm. and then she left because they were evil. <laughs> All righty, and let's see here. Your next question: What is your favorite type of RPG? 
Would it be the MMO, action RPG, JRPG, Western RPG? Uh, MMOs I, I do enjoy, although JRPG for, for non-MMOs, which is also kind of why I really enjoyed Final Fantasy XI, because, I mean, the the game interface was a JRPG, but it was plugged onto an MMO. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand RTSs or turn-based. Mm-hmm. I will go. I I will put myself on the line. I hated tactics. Oh, oh, no, no, we better stop right there. Here we come. No, no, boys, no, boys. Back, back down, back down. Go on, come on, oh. come on. It's okay, man. It's all right. I'm just gonna put my microphone on mute for a minute and scream into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, uh, are you sure I can't like pull out various forms of ballistic weaponry? No, this? no, no, guys, guys, guys. Remember, we said to be civil. Remember, kumbaya, kumbaya, my gamers, kumbaya. All right, all right. Um, I actually, when I was playing that, Michael came over one day and said, well, come on, try it again. And so I tried it again. And he's watching me play and he's going, the game is being really mean to you. And that was about the last time I played it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you were mean to me. Rhapsody? Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, guys, we said we'd be nice now. Nice. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. What is your? (laughs) We better move on. What's your favorite RPG of all time? Thinking hard about this. It's an important question. It is. And the question is, what is my favorite? But on what qualities do I rate it favorite? What? Hey, if you could go, if you're stuck on a desert island, a you know for two weeks, and you could only take one RPG, what would it be? Trying to see how much more silent I can cause. <laughs> I, I don't know. Are, are you are you queuing up Simon and Garfunkel right now to extend this sound of silence? <laughs> that would be amazing. Honestly, the, the most generic answer is probably Chrono Trigger, just simply because I've played the crap out of that game. Um, okay, you're forgiven. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can forgive you for tactics, Thomas. <laughs> I mean, there there are some things. I mean, for, for what it's worth, I really enjoyed Final Fantasy VII. You know, I, I enjoyed the story, but then I also kind of like just at the at that time, you know, the you know being pretty much the first of its type of, of that era. Cool. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did not enjoy eight. Mm. Still taking. Back. I can get behind you with that. Uh, okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Appreciate your time, Mr. Runner. Hang on the line because we're going to be right back and start diving into. Let's see, tonight we're tonight we're talking about uh, Breath of Fire. We got five of those games to talk about for Blast from the Reason Past. We're talking about some sort of Vandal Hearts uh, piece of uh, on the PSN, and uh, and then we got some great closing comments and some things for y'all to think about in a way that you too could be on the RPG backtrack. But before we dive into any of that, we're going to let you listen to this wonderful music selection handpicked by the people at YouTube. We'll be right back.
Alright, welcome back, as always, to the RPG Backtrack. We're going to be talking about the series of games with the name Breath of Fire attached to them. Our very first one will be Breath of Fire, developed by Capcom, publisher by in, in North America by uh, Capcom on the Game Boy Advance and by Squaresoft on your Super Nintendo system. This was released on April 3rd, night. No, it isn't. No, wait. No, that's right. April 3rd, 1993. This is a single-player RPG experience rated E for everyone. Grab yours today on your 12-megabit Super Nintendo cartridge. What's scary is that the game... Well, the Game Boy Advance one was 32 megabits, so that must be better, right, guys? It's, um, it's got sure. 20 more bits. That's like two and a half <laughs> megabytes. <laughs> I mean, hello. I mean, you can do a lot more with those two and a half extra megabytes. Imagine how much more, you know, localization and, and work they could have done on the translation in that. Yeah, I mean, that's a two and a half megabytes is a lot. I mean, that's like an Excel spreadsheet. Maybe get past the stupid four character limit that just is so bad in this game. <laughs> yeah. Just, the simple truth is that Breath of Fire 1 is the game which shows that localization and character limits suck. <laughs> because I, I can't make out what these item names are supposed to mean. <laughs> what, what's that? You don't like four... What did you say? Four character item names? I think it's like six character, oh, maybe, for the items. Sure. At most. All right. Well, we'll get enough. In, we'll get That's in... The- We'll yeah. get into that in just a little bit. Uh, when, <clears throat> since uh, Mr. Uh, Ed, uh, Ed Jogger is new to the show, uh, we have a general format. Uh, uh, we like to talk about the story first. We move on to characters, um, and then we talk about uh, gameplay mechanics and eventually interaction, and then final and closing thoughts. We like to do that on each one of our games. We have a structure. So let me start off with the introduction for those Two people in the whole world who doesn't know what Breath of Fire is. It's a traditional role-playing, Japanese role-playing game. You're going to get your 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 characters in kind of an isometric, two-dimensional uh, sprite deal going on with environments presented from the top-down perspective. And it's... Well, let's start with the story. Mr. Mm, who wants to talk about first? I'll take it. All right. Go, uh, Mr. Schlothen. Okay, basically the story is simple. The evil empire of dark dragons is conquering the world. You must fight them. In this, there's somehow, there's a, like a sealed goddess, and keys, everything kind of goes crazy at the end, but yeah, dark dragons, you're the hero of the light dragons, you must fight them, and you get a bunch of people to help you with that. That's it. <laughs> that sounds so deep, Nathan. <laughs> That's because it is. I mean, could you do it a little bit, like, slower? Could you just... I, I don't know. That was just so much to take in at once. <laughs> wow. It's fun, though. But, yeah, it's not exactly the most deep, complicated, political story you'll ever see in a video game. Well, I mean, it's it's fair enough. We're talking about an early generation Super Nintendo game. Uh, it's a 12 megabit cartridge, so uh, well below. I think, I think we were up to 64 megabit cartridges. I think Final Fantasy... Six was a I think 16. Chrono Trigger was forty, but that was one of the bigger ones. Yeah, I have to look that up. But it was only thirty-two. Oh, okay. I, I remember uh, Super Street Fighter Two on Genesis was forty megabits, and that was about the biggest sixteen-bit cartridge that ever came along. Hmm. 
Uh, let's see here. So, uh, <clears throat> it doesn't say right off the top, but yeah, I know I know this was super early generation, so a, a really deep uh, Final Fantasy VI plot wasn't really uh, something that was absolutely critical to enjoy a game back in those days. Um, yeah, considering how early this game was from the SNES, it actually looks really good and has a lot of cool stuff going on in it. It's visual effects and gameplay stuff that's like... It looks way better than the, what the Square games at the time did. So mm-hmm. there's that plus for it, even despite the small file size and everything. Mm. And it is a big quest, let's give it that. This is not a short game. No, oh. it's got tons of stuff in it. And each of the characters does has a, have a unique ability, which can be very useful. Since So tell me, Mr. Nathan, what did you think about the characters? Were they also equally as shallow as the plot? Um, well, there's not much to them. They're kind of fun, but... Let's see, there's the main hero, Ryu, who's of the Light Dragon tribe, and that's it. He's got a sister, who shows up a couple times. And that's about it. I uh, think it's the Nina, second the one that his sister Sarah. showed up. What? I thought it was the second where his sister showed up. No, the first game he has a sister, Sarah, who... He, she kind of does a heroic sacrifice at the very beginning of the game, then shows up as a late-game boss really late in the game, after she turns evil. That's not it for her. You know, That's how much I remember about the story. <laughs> she's actually the third most powerful boss in the game, but uh, let's see. Yeah, there's... and uh, I'm racking my brain for something that he does, which <laughs> it, it's hard to do because he is mute, which never helps remember the character. Yeah, well, um, he likes fishing, which is what his only char- to, overall defining characteristic, other than being an all-powerful dragon hero. Yeah, he can turn into a dragon in battle, but that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Hmm. I guess that means we have to talk about Nina. Yeah, Princess of the Wing Tribe. Wind Tribe? Windland? <clears throat> can't remember if it's supposed to be... The wind is supposed to be wing or wind. I'm not sure if it even is one. Oh, well. She turns, she's got wings. At one point in the game, she's thrown backwards through time and becomes older, so she can turn into a bird and fly. I do remember that... Uh, not too deep into the game, you actually stop playing as Ryu for a while and start playing as her. Yeah, just Ryu goes to sleep and then switches over to Nina. She has two guards with her and she goes off and tries to be a hero. And almost succeeds, then gets basically gassed by an evil trap at the end and Ryu has to save her. <laughs> yeah, let's just reestablish those archetypes of female ineffectualness in battle, why don't we? Oh, too bad Becky's not here. <laughs> And um, she uses white magic in this one, right? Yep, she's basically a pure healer in this one. This is not consistent in the future, for the record. No, Ryu stays being able to turn into a dragon, but Nina does different things. Okay, uh, that leaves Bo, who, if I'm looking at the hardcore gaming entry right, has a very different name of Gilliam in in Japanese, but four characters did not allow us to see that over here. Yeah, so instead we just got Bo, who uses a bow. That was just <laughs> wow. That that's boy. That just tops. That just tops the charts on like you can just see a top ten most original things in this world. Number one, thing, a character named Bo who uses a bow. <laughs> crazy thing is they repeat that in the sequel. Ooh. Oh, Nathan, did you ever spell it differently? Uh, there, there was a character in um, Time Stalkers on Dreamcast. He's your main character. His name is Sword. Guess what weapon he uses? Oh, God. A bow? <laughs> no! 
It's something sharp and long that you hold in your hand. Oh, a halberd. <laughs> Precisely. I was going to answer that question with something that would have probably gotten me kicked off the show permanently. All right. <laughs> All right. So are there any other very deep characters? Well, let's see. Uh, I legitimately liked uh, Gobi the Fishman. Gobi the Fishman Merchant. It's actually probably the most complex character because he can be summed up as Fishman Merchant. He's actually got personality like he's greedy and selfish, but it's actually still helps the heroes for some reason. I thought you were going to tell me he was the most complicated one because they didn't name him Gills. <laughs> no, I think he used a trident, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. A trident. Also, like most characters, he's a fish, and his big special power is to turn into a bigger fish. Or callfish. Which lets you move underwater. Yep. It lets you move underwater, but he's useless out of the water. (laughs) And really, more dialogue would have helped his character immensely, because a fishman merchant deserves more backstory (laughs) than this. And, oh, of course, there's Ox. Can you guess what he kind of looks like? No, you can't. Uh, It's hard. I'm thinking a horse. Yes, he looks like Mr. Ed. Nice. No, that's someone else, but yeah. Ox (laughs) is there to be strong. He punches stuff. And that's all he does. Yeah. Not Karn. Karn, okay. Karn is bizarre and weird in the fact that he looks totally like a normal person. And he has a name which isn't silly. However, he's also one of the most powerful characters in the game. Yeah, he is. Yeah, in Breath of Fire, you got to remember, lots of people are anthropomorphic, or pretty close to it. They're a mix of human and animal. Yeah, Nina's got wings, Bo's a wolf man, Gobi's a fish man. Uh, But Karn, as normal as he looks, he's got the weird special power that he can fuse with other characters to become a crazy thing. Like, he can fuse with, basically he fuses with Bo, Gobi, and Ox, and basically every combination of at least two of them. And... If doing so, it becomes ever more powerful things, which is helpful because when those characters really become useless after the chapters that they first introduced. Bo's handy but useless later in the game. Gobi is useless the moment he walks out of water, and Ox is just second rate. Karn turns them all into fodder for becoming a super character. Okay, Nathan. Now, Karn unlocks doors. That's his skill on the map. Do you remember if he can still do that when he's fused? Uh, I don't think he can unlock... I can't remember if he can unlock doors while fused or not, but he can freely change in and out of fusion. Um, okay, that, that's handy. Yeah, it's like he can shoot arrows, just like Bo does when in his shin form. He can punch things like Ox does in his ox-like form. And he can... And actually, I don't think he can do anything special while he's in his fish form. However, his puka form, where he turns into a small dragon gremlin thing, can also open doors, just big special dragon-sealed ones. And also, I, I happen to have the game up right now. When Karn is as Puka, he has in my game he has 920 hit points. The rest of my characters have less than 250. Wow! Also, he can occasionally attack for quadruple damage in that form. Which He's is handy. ridiculous. Yes. Tanks are handy. That leaves two people. That leaves Blue, Blue the Snake Woman. Yep, the Snake Woman Sorceress. And apparently she shows up in... Does she show up in all the other games? Yep, everything except uh, Dragon Quarter, I think. Unless I'm missing her now. (laughs) I don't think... Yeah, that sounds right. And she's... She does have a lot of magic, and she's 
pretty potent with it. Yep. Nova. Blow everything up. And that leaves Mogu, the mole man. He is a living key. He exists to get into the final dungeon and he does nothing else. And to dig on in holes on the map. I remember that. There are lots of little marks on the map on the world map that if you have Mogu with, you can dig through and find stuff. Yeah, that too. I forgot about that. But I don't remember him being so great in combat because you get him so late that I just swapped everyone out around so that I could have the great Mogu on my side, slaying enemies with no effort. He doesn't do that. Note, Mogu means mole, and guess what he is? <laughs> yeah, so don't you dare make any Fantastic Four references here, Phil. He's not that kind of mole man. <laughs> and there we go. Those are the characters. Wow. Okay, so, all right, so we really don't have a super deep plot. We don't really have characters that blow us away with their intricate levels of complexity. So I know you guys are going to tell me about this battle system that's going to blow my mind, right? Uh, I'm going to actually focus uh, on the box art. <laughs> the box art! Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, yeah. Hey, Phil, that's right. We don't have a category where we judge the game's box art. Well, we have done it from time to time, though. There is precedent in the RPG backtrack history in talking about the box art. Wait, let me look at it now. Oh, wow, this is cool. I got this guy. He looks huge. He looks massive. And his hand is right in my face like he's just about to grab the nostrils and rip them off of me. So this must have an awesome kick-ass battle system, right? Yeah, it's kind of there. But 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 he looks mean and, and 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 like he's really ready to kick some butt. I mean, I look like if I'm gonna buy this off the shelf, this looks like a game that I really am gonna feel powerful playing. Do you feel powerful? Well, it's fun. I mean, certainly this is the game where you have them. You can turn into powerful, awesome dragons and just go to town with their immense awesomeness. Yeah, that was a. Sorry, forgive forgive me for that last sentence, but. Uh, yeah, the battle system's very typical. It's got a kind of cool thing that you can mess around with a few different options, like the keys are, you can use item weapons, the, I mean, the, okay, the eight goddess key I use are easily, I mean, with weapons you collect through the game, can all be used as magic, infinite use magic items, which has a little bit of a fun factor. Mm-hmm. Okay, this game's got the weird thing that every attack spell always does the same amount of damage, no matter who casts it, or wonder what situations who they're hitting against, with the very rare elemental properties occasionally boosting the damage. Hmm. Uh, most characters don't have very many special abilities at all. I mean, this is why most characters other than Karn, Bloomie, and Ryu are not going to be used in the game. So yeah, it's a bit simplistic compared to anything but other than the games of its time. About to say, it's... a bit simplistic compared to, what, Space Invaders? <laughs> compared to maybe, well, say, Final Fantasy IV? I mean, because Final, yeah. Final Fantasy IV would be a fair comparison. I think they came out about the same time, didn't they? Well, IV actually came out a couple of years before this. Yeah, so clearly this yeah. must be more advanced than IV. Mm, not really. Not really. Well, well, well here's one way it is advanced. Uh, not, mo- not many games at the time let you see how much life the bosses and enemies had left. And it does have a gauge like that so, so you can see it. Also, it's not used very much in this game, but this is a very early game, which lets you swap par- up party members in and out of battle mid-fight, which doesn't really become popular until much, much later in RPGs. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it does do some things that are a little new, unique, uh, like, uh, but I, I wouldn't say it, it's ex- exceptional in any regard. It's, it's charmingly average. One thing I should mention about that life gauge you can see for the enemies is that it, it lies... Yeah, most most bosses, 
Actually, I think every boss, you will see every their boss. life gauge be completely empty, and they'll just keep surviving for a while. Something like, the boss grins at you, and you have to keep beating on it for a few more rounds before it dies. You have to wipe the smile off his face before you can kill him. It's very important. It is. Yeah. Also, a notable thing about this game is that right starting with a certain very notable boss late in the game, which is... I believe, yeah, it's basically the Dark Dragon Emperor himself, Zod, I think his name is. Is it Zog or Zod? I can't remember. I think it's Zod. Zod. You're, you're thinking that? of Superman. <laughs> okay, well. Deal before Zod. Okay, well. I'm sorry if Z-Guy. I'm thinking of Terrence Stamp. Anyway, Z-Guy is the first Dark Dragon Emperor. He's the first boss, which has just got like 20 times the number of hit points of any previous boss or anything. It's just ridiculously huge, difficult. And every other boss is li- just like him from the future. So just starting with him, there's a massive spike in just how much damage you need to do in order to get through the game, which is a weird thing. You know, even the trick for beating him, but you don't get that trick for any other boss. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember how many bosses there were after him. I just remember being kind of surprised. Wait, I'm fighting the Emperor already? Because you fight him maybe two-thirds of the way through the game. There's a lot left. Yeah, there's at least two major things in the game after him, which is basically when the guy who's been being the villainous general beca- betrays him and becomes and tries to become the emperor himself in a cliche JRPG twist. What? No, no, Nathan. That's wholly original. I've never heard of that. The trusted lieutenant betraying the commander. That, that's, that's novelty. Such a thing would surely never happen. And of course, the trusted commander who's betrayed is actually somewhat more noble and bearing and more, somewhat more benevolent than this totally evil lackey who betrays him. Uh, that. Again, you're blowing my mind. Though actually, we should uh, be clear that in 1993, this was not such a common trope. True enough. Then again, like if you play it on the Game Boy Advance. Just hmm? like the, the church is secretly evil trope. Uh, we'll get oh, to that, that that's one the next game. Day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't yeah, jump here, ahead. Here it's the evil empire. Next, it's the evil church. Um, okay, so I'm re- I'm remembering wandering around big dungeons. I must have done it twice because I played it on both Super Nintendo and Game Boy Advance. Getting into lots of random fights that I can't really remember. Somebody help me! Ooh. My memories are not. Up to the job. It's it's more fun to watch you flounder. Well, here's here's a Capcom reference. Chun Li is in the game. Yeah, you can if you do just the right action, you can see Chun Li practicing her kicking. We always stay that in. Nice. And the Game Boy Advance port at least brightens the screen, which is something I wish more Game Boy Advance games had done. For anybody who remembers playing it on the original thing, where you could barely see the screen half the time. Oh, God, the original Game Boy Advance. Let's not speak of it. But it did have a GBA port. What is this original Game Boy you speak of? I've only ever played an SP. So you never got the fun of uh, reloading your double A's every 20 hours or so and then going to Costco at once a month to replenish? I have no charitable batteries. Damn you. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you, rechargeable batteries! Curse your foresight. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. I think we're running dry. I was going to say, so, okay. <laughs> not a lot to talk about the characters. Not a lot to talk about the story. The battle systems put me to sleep, boys. 
What about the interaction? I'm sure that the town was full of vibrant people that you just dined to talk to, beautiful landscapes for the Super Nintendo area, maybe some Mode 7 action going on. What? Ooh, ooh, ooh. You could, you could like, uh, shoot animals while you're walking around the, the world. Mm. That's what I remember Old most point. about this game. Also, is he in a bow? Hmm. I think that was something specific to if you had Bo as the lead of your party. Yes, I think. I oh, tried yeah, doing that, and it sucked. <laughs> yeah, hunting wasn't very fun. It, it wasn't, but for some reason... Lead, then you could fish. <laughs> yep, you could fish. Occasionally you can fish up rare super armor for him. That was fun. <laughs> and if you had Nina as your leader, you could fly over little holes in the floor. Or turn into a bird. Turning to bird was good. Uh, the bird part was plot-driven. No, the bird part was... Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, yeah, it was. All right, so let's wrap this up. Oh, and we should mention, just because Squaresoft translated on the Super Nintendo does not mean that you're going to read this and go, that is some really nice writing, because you're not. It was probably a horrible localization that they so could have changed with the GBA, and they did nothing. Capcom, you are run by cheap people. I just still can't tell what these items are supposed to mean. (laughs) Yeah, especially the ones that are for raising your stats. Most of them have descriptions that I don't understand and are abbreviated as things that make no sense. Uh, Fish names. Or attack item names. Everything. Yeah. It's not the worst translation I've ever seen, but it does the game no favors. I mean, I understand that they're facing horrible limitations, but I just. It just doesn't work. <laughs> horrible limitations isn't an excuse for grammar. Mm-mm-mm. Well, sounds like, a, sounds like there's uh, definitely some. Uh, problems there so let's wrap this up because we still got a few more games to talk about so let's give me give you each 30 seconds who played this you can pass if you like and tell me uh what your thoughts are to our audience about breath of fire should they rush out and grab a copy and play it right now or should they forget and move on with the rest of their lives mr minky i will say that if you buy it you should definitely get the gba copy because it does have a quick save feature, one of the few changes made to allow you to play on the go. Will you enjoy it? Eh, in fits and starts, it's not the most memorable game I've ever played by any stretch, but it must have had something going for it if I played through it twice on both console on both systems. And yeah, there we go. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Mr. Z- Mr. Zach? It's a nostalgia game. Uh, if you if you're younger, you haven't played it, and you want to see uh, what some of the gaming, uh, what some of the console RPG roots are, what the kind of people like me sigh and look back on and say, "Man, those were the days." Play it, but remember that it's been a while since I've actually played it, so probably wasn't that good. But it was all we had. <laughs> Just when you're playing it. And you're reading and, and you're reading the dialogue and reading the story. Do the localization in your head. Read between the lines, and it doesn't hurt as much. 
I'm looking at the See, item it is list. The game that we thought it was, not the game it actually is. I'm looking at a, an item list in here right now on my game. I have a B.STN. <laughs> I have an F.STN. I have no idea what the heck it does. Well, that's because knowing is half the battle, so they figure... But it can be used in battle. Why give people half the battle? Well, they want the full battle. Don't give them half. All right, Mr. Nathan. Okay, uh, for all of much, I can't really praise it. This is still a game I absolutely loved when it was first released way back when. I mean, to this day, there's still some things it does nicely that I don't have ever seen repeated again that were kind of fun, but... It's just hard to recommend for people who are looking for who are more raised upon newer games. Sad to say. Mr. Apps, do you have any final closing thoughts on Breath of Doohickey number one? Um, it's it's not a terrible game, but it's not it's not like an all time classic or anything. But if you know, considering you can d- download it for pretty cheap on the virtual console, it's um you know it's a fun little game. Uh, just don't expect anything brilliant or anything like that. And, I mean, I actually do remember, uh, because I was a Super Nintendo uh, fan myself back in the day, this kind of came out in that sweet spot between Final Fantasy 4 and 6. There, um, there wasn't too many classic JRPGs uh, at the time that kind of came across the pond, and that, that cover art really did look pretty cool. Um, thankfully, I had only rented it, and I hadn't actually uh, plunkered down the full uh, 50 or 60 bucks they were asking for back in the day, um, because I think it was 40 or 50 actually. It was 60, I think, for Final Fantasy VI, but um, <clears throat> because, yeah, I mean, it was still, it still felt like, at the time, it still felt like a little bit of a step back from Final Fantasy IV. Capcom knew it was doing and filling in a gap uh, that... You know, a lot of people bought it just because there wasn't anything else better at the time. Um, but uh, it isn't a bad game. It is competent uh, as long as you can figure out what those little tiny, tiny abbreviations mean. Um, for if you're a, if you call yourself a, a real RPG backtrack uh, fanatic, you probably could do a lot worse than to check this thing out, spend a few hours with it, and take that trip down memory lane. And while and you consult game facts from time to time, yeah, for the list of items. Um, and while you're doing that and you're looking up on game facts, we're going to take a brief respite. We'll be right back after this. talk about Breath of Fire 2 developed surprise surprise by Capcom or please uh, <laughs> I don't, did this ever come out in America boys I think this is European only yes it did it did okay it did. oh it came out Twice on the what where did it come out the Game Boy Advance came out on Super Nintendo and Game Boy Advance Super Nintendo okay 
notes here didn't mention the North American release for Super Nintendo version. This was released in December 2nd, 1994. This is a single-player RPG experience. Uh, let's see here. Rated KA on the Super Nintendo, but E on the Game Boy Advance. Does that mean that the that the uh, SNES version is more racy or something? I mean, uh, it's a KA. I, I don't well, know. Phil, here, here, Phil. Do they have some nude sprites or something? I mean, what, what the heck? Now, this is now, – now, Minky. A couple things I want to point out here. Uh, Breath of Fire 1 was a 12 megabit cartridge. This is 24 awesome megabits. You know what that means. Three whole – count them. Three whole megabytes. That's number one. Number two, I'm looking at the uh, game ranking history here. Now, Breath of Fire uh, Breath of Fire uh, 1 only got a 77.6. But Breath of Fire 2 got a 79%. So between the extra storage space and – Clearly higher rating. I'm expecting Wait, a lot of things there from Breath of Fire too. Did you too. just say it got a whole 1.4 percent more? Actually, that's 1.37. But who's checking? You know, so I'm expecting a lot of things here, boys, from Breath of Fire too. Who's going to kick it off by telling me the story? Nathan, sounded like you remembered the corrupt church angle. Go for it. Okay, so basically the game starts off with the main hero Ryu as a young kid where he's just been raised up a nice, peaceful little town as the son of a priest. And the priest of the wrong church. Yeah, if I recall. The, pri- the priest of an unfortunately chosen church. And then he just goes to sleep on a nap one day, sees a weird vision briefly, and wakes up to find his family is missing, and no one remembers who he is, and no one even believes his family ever existed. So he basically gets kicked out of town, runs off with a young, uh, young dog kid named Bo, who's basically a terrible thief. And they become just, I think called, they, their profession is called ranger in the town of Hometown, which is their home, new home. But Yeah, they're rangers. Yeah, which is just general do-gooder kind of job. As I remember, and, they, they proclaimed that with great pride. We're rangers! Yeah. And, yeah, seriously, the town they live in is called Hometown. There's no words for this. <laughs> well, actually, there's two. It's Hometown. <laughs> yeah. Sure, there should have been a house town also. There is a township. Yeah. And and Bo, yes, he is a half dog instead of a half uh, wolf this time. But he, guess what weapon he uses? Shotgun. Yes, yes. actually, later on, but. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, there is a corrupt church eventually that you will discover has been leading the people in exactly the wrong way and extracting their prayers, I think, as evil energy for the re- resurrection of a demon god. But don't quote me on the specifics here, because anybody who remembers Capcom fighting game translations of the early 90s and hasn't played this game... Try putting that kind of text into an RPG. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense sometimes. Because Squaresoft, I don't have much good to say about the first game's translation, but it was better than the second game's translation. You needed to read it between the lines. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I should, I should just have somebody who knows what he's doing write it up online, and then I can look at the text on my computer screen while I play the game. <laughs> well, yeah, basically, otherwise, back to the plot, it basically is the first half of the game is basically 
this girl Patty stole something. The heroes are kind of framed for it, maybe. I can hardly remember. So you must then hunt down and catch the thief Patty. And the only thing you know about her is that she's got bat wings. Well, even yeah, though and she dragon I, wings because she's actually the hero's lost sister who herself has amnesia or something. <laughs> I really don't know what's going on with this one, honestly. And because they're under suspicion, Bo has to hide in a garbage can for a long time, and he... You can't use him for, like, the first quarter of the game or something like that. And by the time you get him back, he's really weak compared to everyone else. Yeah. Uh, at least he helps set up Township, which is nice, which is... <laughs> Well, the start of things this game, you get to build your own town, but I guess we'll get to that later. And yeah, let's see what to say. Yeah. It, oh, yes, we we do find out that uh, the town the hero Ryu was from does still exist, and he goes back there eventually. And that's actually one of the cooler moments in the game when he meets his dad, who's running the evil machine, and you have to either not kill him, which is hard because he's Pretty susceptible to death, or beat around the three bosses that are surrounding him. Yeah, that's affects the end of the game. But the only thing that does, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a good uh, moral choice. It's not like the obvious uh, good or evil answer. Yeah, because it's so much easier to just blast everything with multi-target attack spells, but you can't, or you'll kill your dad. Well, he wasn't a very good dad. Well, how do we know that, if, he tried, if, the kid, if the kid vanishes for ten years and the dad can't find him, how is the dad to blame for that? Uh, basically, if the dad's basically kidnapped and all knowledge of his existence is wiped out by a memory-racing demon, and he's basically plugged <laughs> into a machine to serve as his battery, it's kind of hard to be a good dad. And then he pilots a whole flying city around if you let him live. That's pretty cool. Yeah, at which point he actually yeah that, that's him. awesome, but you don't know that until after you save him. That's true. The first time I this. played it, I did kill him the first time I played it. Because <laughs> I didn't know. Use Nintendo Power. <laughs> Wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> Nintendo Power has all the answers. Especially for a game like this, where you'll need it to understand what's going on some of the time. Lazy translations equal big bucks for Big N. Yes, Phil. You're familiar with those glorious Capcom translations of the early 90s, aren't you? Oh, yeah, they were fun times. But, you know, back then when you were young, you just presumed that it was a, maybe it was just some English grammar class you missed or you weren't paying attention to, and you just accepted it for what it was. Clearly, the guys who are professionals and get paid to do this know better than I, uh, you know, a guy who skipped half my classes in high school. I mean, you just kind of accepted it. I'm looking at an enemy picture right now where the description is mammot. And there is clearly space left to spell mammoth. All right, so <laughs> the plot sounds deeper. What about the characters? Are the characters deeper? Um, a little bit. They actually have more plot and scenes and dialogue, which helps a bit. Yeah, we, we more or less describe what Ryu goes through. But Nina is very different here because she has black wings that make her distinct from all the white-winged people of her nation and having black wings is... Makes her an outcast. Yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, some crazy old lady said the kingdom would die, uh, suffer some kind of horrible calamity if the princess with black wings was born. Lo and behold, a princess with black wings is born. And for some reason, they believe the crazy old lady. Of course. <laughs> Not yeah, these fortune tellers get paid for a reason. They must know what they're talking about. You throw the bones around, you see what they say. Obviously, that's infallible. 
And she has a sister who will eventually turn into a bird for your benefit near the end of the game. At the cost and then get chased around by demons during the last phase of the game, being useless. Yeah, that that was kind of lousy. And there's Bo, who we more or less talked about. He joins up with Ryu for some reason. And uh, then disappears for a while. And once he finally rejoins, he doesn't have much to say. <laughs> well, what I, from what I remember, Bo's spell abilities is he was a healer. But then yeah, you also get, but then you also get Rand, who's also a healer. Yeah, Rand, big armadillo guy who works as a work, who just works at Eric's helping out at a coliseum, and dresses like in a toga, and is really strong. But yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think an armadillo would be really strong, but he does have good defense. That that I would expect. And then there's Cat, who seems to have some fans. If you look around. You'll never guess what kind of a person she is. A fish. Let me just say I that if Mr. Tidwell was here, he would be very happy to talk about Cat. Yeah, tiger girl with no pants. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> chicka bow wow. That's why he got the KA rating. <laughs> nice. See a lot with those sprites. Wow. She... Cat is a main physical attacker, no magic ability other than the fact that she learns a couple of really powerful attack spells but doesn't have the MP to use them unless you use the shaman system, which we'll get to. Yeah, what, what does she gain? Maybe one magic point every three levels or so? Yeah, it's terrible. But she learns all the best attack spells in the game. But she can't use them. Ah. And then there's Sten, the, the monkey man. The... Perverted Special circus. power is that he can make his arms really long. And who introduces himself by trying to kidnap Cat and Nina because he he's really curious about these ladies with you. Don't read too much into that. It's not helpful. Hey, I'm really curious after everything you said. No pants. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I'll admit it. Nina from the second game is actually one of the more gorgeous JRPG heroines you'll ever see, in my opinion. It she is something. Sorry, Ed. Oh, I was just to say the the artwork that they did in two was was very good. It was it's kind of across the board, for, at least as far as the character concept art. Yeah, the concept art was great for the SNES version. I don't know why in the Game Boy Advance version they switched up the art style and got rid of the original art and placed uh, the more later style for the fire art, which does doesn't work as well for those characters. And yeah, d- despite all the mockery that the Breath of Fire games were getting, the concept art is, by and large, very good, I feel. I just don't get why it's not uh, equal to the box art or anything like the in-game art. Yeah, well, Phil! Oh, well. I, I shared that picture of the cover. Why haven't you responded? Well, There's a gigantic, muscular man wielding a sword. Well, because we haven't got to the battle system yet, and this okay. box cover screams <laughs> battle system. It doesn't, it doesn't really scream, <laughs> I want to know more about the characters, because... Yeah, there's some other things that are behind him, but the guy in the front swinging the sword with the massive muscles, that's the guy I want to be. Of course, the cat chick in the back is a close second play. But, I mean, the guy in the front, that's what, that's the... So, so I'm waiting until we get to battle, since I'm being good. Okay, well, we've got a few more characters. There's Gene the Frogman. Who or takes Jean. you through this... Who, Jean mostly exists to take you through this little realm of horrors, which is the realm which is the frog people's art of cuisine, which it... It's actually a reference back to a small quest you need to do in the first game of you need to feed the gold fly to the frog. This time you get to go through the, the high French cuisine version of frogs eating flies and worms. 
I thought of it quite like that. Probably because the translation didn't let me. And then there's Spar. Spar is a plant, plant. person. Yeah. Let us Good not use the term he or she because that's doesn't quite apply to Spar. Because Spar is a plant. Spar is an id. And if you find Power her, is beautiful. which I did, you find Blue again. Hooray. She's exactly like she was in the last game. Still with multi-powerful spells, that, and she learns the last of them when you gain levels with her and blows crap up, which is exactly what you want from your snake goddess. She's got one drawback, but otherwise she almost makes poor Nina obsolete, considering they both are the main attack mages and Blue's just a bit better of one. Yeah, and she has the ability to restore her hit points fully. I thought it was clean status conditions, or is it actually an HP heal? It's an HP heal. I think it reduces her oh. defense, but if you use it right, you don't need to worry. So just so, yeah. not even mean hero's guts ability. <laughs> okay, so there's our characters, including one who we already knew from the first game. Now well, technically right. two. Well, three, because Nina, Rue, and Blue appear in some form or another. Yeah, the difference That's is that true, this yeah. is actually this is the exact same blue. There's no question of is the same character or not. Like they're all different Ryu's, they're all different Nina's, but this is the exact same blue as it was in the first game. Because this is actually a direct sequel in its own weird way. I kind of like the fact that you know they produced the second game and they actually have it in the same world, just you know set X number of hundred years later. I think so, it's like, a thousand years. I'm, I'm not quite sure though. Yeah, the Sky Tower is now the flooded Sky Tower. A couple of things look kind of similar. Winland's still around, and the original Nina even shows up briefly. That's right, she does. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've covered the characters, I think. Because we'll have more to say about Rue and Nina and Blue, too, in the near future. Right. Yeah, I guess I might as well mention this. One cool character is basically there's a guy who's shows up as a good priest who helps you out, even though he's of the evil church, uh, until you have to fight him later again, and it turns out he's actually a powerful dark dragon, who is just as powerful as the dark emperor from the previous game. But he's still a good guy, even though you, you have to kill him. Anyway. And I remember, you have to use uh, the newly acquired dragon form, and if you don't do it at exactly the right turn, he will blow you away. I got something not quite right there, and he did blow me away, so I remember that moment. Hmm. Yeah, that's the part of the game I'm kind of sketchy on, since I'll admit, I've never, I've seen the ending of the game, and I've seen most of it, but I've never quite seen the middle, late parts, around, after the church and stuff. And there are several memorable scenarios. I, I remember you enter a restaurant, and you eventually fight the chef right after you describe how you want your order done. And if you, if you don't say you'd like your order raw, or rare, then you're going to get cooked you're, you're, before you're screwed. you fight. Because the order is you. I remember that battle. That was actually that was fun, assuming you didn't cook yourself. Yeah, yeah when I first played just... the game, I didn't know what I was doing, so I said, "Well done!" And <laughs> lo and behold, I'm almost dead when I start the fight. Oops. Yeah, the whole thing wants to ask you to rub salt and pepper all over yourselves is kind of a <laughs> disturbing giveaway. Hmm. Hmm. Replacing your sword and shield with. Forks and napkins? Yes. Good thing they're strong forks. Hmm. Okay. So, what about uh, the combat? Big, huge, strong guy? Do I get to feel like it yet? I, I prefer the combat. 
I, I prefer the dragon like... mechanic that they had in one over what they had in two. Well, compare and contrast. Two, well, yeah, the... in one, you, you changed into it, and then you fought as the dragon. In two, it's just like a, a, a summon spell. That uses all of Ryu's magic points. And magic points are really hard to regenerate in this game, because the only items that do it also hurt your HP, and they're rare, and they don't heal much. Plus, if you don't use the dragon spell when you have full magic points, then it won't do as much damage. Hmm. So you better save it for exactly the right moment, and then just count on Ryu just smacking things with his sword, because he won't be good for anything else for a while. <laughs> okay. Um, so standard uh, JRPG turn-based affair. Is there any uh, anything uh, that you can think of that makes this title stand out from? Well, well, oh, hold on one second, first. Nathan. We're going to reconnect you real fast. Got a little technical difficulties right there. Anybody else want to jump? Uh, Nathan, you back there? Yeah, I'm here. It's just there's not really even as much as in the original to pray. No, it's like. The original, you can like swap party members mid-battle. This one, you have to go back to your main base town of township in order to mm. swap up them. Wait, no, any dragon statue that you swap party members. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. I just came up with something that sort of counts. How about the shaman system? Yeah, that's the cool yeah. thing about this game. Isn't that where you... Oh, yeah, yeah. Basically, across the length of the game, you can encounter uh, six different scantily clad girls who will transform themselves into beams of light and fuse into your characters to oh. give them superpowers. Ooh, I'm interested. Tells uh, on the basically changes the color power for your character <laughs> and gives you spiffy bonus. All yeah. their 16-bit glory, no doubt. Uh. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah like, Ryu cannot fuse with them and Blue cannot fuse with them. Everyone, everyone else, else can. And also, if you get the right combination, you can get the characters to transform into a much a very different, much cooler looking forms. There's more powerful abilities all around. I think there was one for both, Lots like some and crazy robot-looking thing. Yeah, if you combine dark and light into Bow, he'll become a robot. Uh, Nina is like wind and light, and she becomes a more regal queen, like with like four yeah, wings. Yeah, like a, like a floating saint, sort of. Yeah. Spar is interesting because it can turn into a bunch of different forms. Either water will turn Spar into a mushroom girl. Um, Earth will turn him into a little turnip, and fire something will turn him into a big dragon thing. I think. And Cat uh, turns into sort of, I don't know, like a Hulk version of herself, more or yeah, less. Yeah, like the, the dark demon cat, I guess, with hooves. Hmm. And Sten turns into a couple things, which is annoying if you need his arms to stretch across something, and you have to unmake that. Yeah, that's really annoying. Uh, Rand turns into a small rhino thing, I think. Which yeah, he turns weird. tiny. Hmm. Oh, I remember wow. that. Is a, he, I, I kept Rand in like my, my final party makeup. Yeah, I, Rand's one of the members of the main kind of default team because he, uh, let's see, John is he can turn into a well, he goes from a fat green frog to a cool looking, thin, muscular blue frog with a mohawk. With a mohawk, maybe becomes useful. We can cut space itself with his sword. But yeah, the big problem is because there's so many kind of crossover requirements, there's basically only one default team where you can have Ryu and everyone else in shaman form, which is a little annoying. And it is kind of annoying that three of the shamans don't appear until late in the game. Really late in the game, and they're kind of annoying to get for some of them. Like the earth shaman, it's just a headache. And speaking of the end of the game... 
Infinity comes close to that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Infinity, we should mention, is uh, hell, more or less. We couldn't call anything hell on the Super Nintendo, of course. But you are venturing down into the Earth to eventually face a evil god. So it's evil more or less hell. Is, yeah, the great demon god, uh, uh, Death Event, who you know is known as Saint Evans on the surface. Because he's kind of a Judeo-Christian analog. Well, basically, say he's a Catholic Church's Jesus analog. Evil version of the Catholic Church, which is Jesus' analog, is actually, in fact, a terrible demon god. <laughs> uh, and I think Shin Megami Tensei games were starting to pull out the evil god thing around this time too. But of course, they didn't come across the ocean. We don't know about that so well. Yeah, we're blowing our minds. <laughs> But yes, Infinity is, uh, what is it, 15, 16 levels, each of them huge. Yeah, it's big and deep and full of dangerous enemies. And if you lose your shaman forms, which happens if you're reduced to two low hit points, you need to go all the way out in order to get them back. At least there's a village in the middle of it, but that's not going to help you if you have to go restore the shaman forms. Oh, and the township. We haven't really explained how that works. Yeah, you can basically build your own town. It's one of those fun things about the game. You get certain people to come back to your town, if I recall, based on your, your questing around the world. Yeah, you can invite people into enter different houses. You get three different architectural styles, each of which has their own associated minigame. You can even paint the town different colors if you want to waste a town member on it. Yeah, you only have a set number of slots, so you have to decide. Do you want the useless, silly game or something that gives you stats or... Or the guy who will teach your characters spells. Or the person will open up a music room, which will let you hear the music from the game. Yeah, that was pretty progressive for 1994. Again, though, you might want to have a fact open because the translation is not going to help you figure out what these people are going to do for you in the town. And also the fact that each person only has one house they'll go to. If you invite them to that house, they'll never recruit anyone else who wants to go to that house. So... And this connection is totally not obvious, so use a guide for Township. That way you don't get stuck with a girl who likes cats and has a couple of cats in her house and does nothing. Talking about the music thing, I seem to recall, I, I, I seem to recall I, I, the music was pretty good in 2. It is. Quite good. It's the most memorable thing about the game for me. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Infinity, it has a very appropriate and catchy theme. Yeah, beautiful riding on a bird through the skies theme. And I remember the demon that you encounters as a kid, you eventually find as the second to last boss, and it has a pretty cool boss theme. Okay, Zach. Yes? Zach, you, you, you pasted a link to the picture of uh, Frog Boy here when really I was looking for the, the cat lady with the no pantalones on. What happened, man? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I, I this does nothing for me, man. It's a fish boy. Come on, man. You don't like that scarf? No. That is a that is a dapper piece of finery. Yeah. No. 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 It isn't. No. It looked like he ripped the curtains <laughs> off my wall and wrapped it around his neck, which he probably had to do to hide the fact that it's so hideously big and ugly. When I was looking for this hot cat woman chick. Come on, Zach. Get with the program here. There are galleries out there if you want pictures of cat. There are. All right, that's what I'm talking about now. All right, all right. All right, you can stay on the show for another few minutes. All right, good job. All right. 
Make sure we, uh, Mike, make sure we link that in the show notes. It's it's important for the history <laughs> of understanding how important a Breath of Fire series that our readers see this very important picture. They don't really need to see the frog picture, though, but this will help them <laughs> to understand why this game was so important in history. <laughs> yes, it will. Understanding how Cat, in her shamanized form, is able to get through doorways with ears that large is quite important. Well, it's because without the pants, she's much more aerodynamic and able to squeeze through small spaces. Of course. That is... It shouldn't be canceled out by the 80s hair. Yeah, well, dang nab, her, her puffy head and hair is like wider than any other part of her body. Wow. Which is weird because it came out in the 90s. Yeah. All right. Well, well, you guys continue to talk. I'll be um, over here by myself. Wow. <laughs> okay, Mr. Apps, you've barely said anything. What do you remember about the second game? Well, basically what I said, the music. I'll tell you what my problem with, with this game was. Um, you know, It wasn't uh, the translation? I did, well, that was one of the things. But, you know, for me, I thought this game has... A really, really good intro section. Um, you know, like you, you know, you start off in this nice little town. You know, eventually go to this dragon, take a nap, and then everything is changed. And it, it, it was just kind of, you know, at that time, it felt like kind of a weird and you know, kind of unsettling start to a game that I, I really liked. But the problem was after that, I had a lot of a lot of trouble getting into it. I got, uh, like the you know the you go from that kind of cool in, intro and then you're trying to find somebody's pet and, and, and there was kind of a disconnect from that cool little intro sequence you know it's got some some of the best music in the game there and you know it, it just you know takes a while to kind of get back to that I think you know yeah. that. that not saying that, yeah, not saying that the game's bad or anything. I just think that um, it, it it it's got such a what I thought was a cool intro section that you know what comes immediately after that just doesn't necessarily has, live up to it. Has flow issues. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it just takes a little too long to get back to the kind of same tone of that really cool opening in the start of the game. And while we're talking about vaguely regretful things, Ed. You mentioned how Capcom did absolutely nothing with the translation for the first game when it ported to GBA. That's true here, too. <laughs> also, I hear the GBA version messed with the basic balance of combat in the game a bit, so it's different. And I didn't notice much in the way of difference. Then again, I was playing it mostly in the college library between classes, so I wasn't giving it my whole attention at the time. But The auto button was amazing. Yeah, that was helpful, plus, again, that the screen was brightened. That, that is so helpful on the original GBA. Uh, I can't recall, but was the music any worse in the Game Boy Advance version? Because I know that that was a problem for other Super Nintendo ports, but I, I, I can't exactly remember for this one. I'm the music on the GBA port, as far as I could tell, was pretty good. Okay. Yeah, it seemed fine to me. Then again, I was listening to it with headphones all the time because, again, I was in the library. I wasn't about to blast people with Breath of Fire 2 music and get kicked out. But I didn't notice any problems. Not like, say, uh, well, I can't remember any ports right now, so I'll just say Harmony of Dissonance's music was really terrible on Game Boy Advance. Final Fantasy VI had some issues. 
Alrighty. Well, fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up with our final thoughts in Rapid Machine Gun Four. At Mr. Miki, go. I played through it twice, and I the fact that I'm able to remember cogent things about it says that it stuck with me much better than the first game, and it still does some things very well. I enjoyed playing it for the most part. Just keep game facts handy to absolve yourself of the troubles that Capcom's translation will give you. They are many. Hmm. All right, Mr. Zack. I like Township. I like the character designs. Uh, this Death End guy I'm watching a video of right now is very scary looking. He has lots of uh, tube snakes with mouths coming out of them and lots of skulls and eyes everywhere. So I liked it. Mm. All right, Mr. Apps. Uh, despite not actually talking that much about this one, I think it was more interesting than the first game. And you know, if if you want to pick pick pick, ugh, if you want to play it, uh, just stick with it. Be- if you run the same flow issues I did, just you know, don't give up on it. Okay, Mr. Schlothen. This is well. I guess it's a lot like the first. In fact, it's. I really liked it way back when. It's a little harder to recommend these days for someone who does understand the appeal of some of these old games. But uh, I just have a lot of fun memories of this one. Yeah, Mr. Walker. I kind of agree with everybody. It, between the first and second one, if you if you're if you want to try one of the early Breath of Fires and you want to pick between which one to do, I would say two. It's just oh, translation localization aside, I enjoyed it quite a bit more. You know, I can wrap all of your opinions of this game into one word. Cat. They're done, all right? It's all about cat. Make sure that link goes up, Minky. Very important. And, oh, I will. Assuming, of course, that our forumers are unable to find it for themselves, which is perfectly logical. People on our forums have no internet savvy whatsoever. Mm-mm-mm. Um. All right. Oh wow! That that is that is wow. Isn't that? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> wow. You know, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but this right here is made. I'm I'm opening up my wallet to pay the forty. Uh, right now, it's going for about uh, thirty-five to fifty bucks on eBay for the Super Nintendo version. Um. Yeah, it's worth it just for that. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I I don't know. All right. So while I'm cleaning up some drool over here that I did not personally leave on my chair, uh, we're going to freak us out. We're going to take a. <laughs> we're we're going like to. Again, we are very glad that Mr. Tidwell is not here right now. We're going to take. We're going to take a brief uh, break, a cold shower, and we'll be right back after this musical selection. And 
we are back to talk about another Breath of Fire game. This is Breath of Fire 3, developed and published by our good friends, amigos, comrades at Capcom. This was uh, released on the PlayStation and later on on the PSP, originally back in September 11th, 1997. This is... Wait, wait, September 11th? Oh boy. Yeah, this is... (laughs) This is Rescue 9. What? I'm sorry. Um, This is a single-player <laughs> RPG experience, and it is rated T for terrible or terrific. You decide. We will start off talking about the story of this very traditional-looking console RPG. RPG. Who would like to kick it off? Yeah, I've been so far, so I might as well continue the trend. All right, tell us about now. Certainly, now we are now up to a uh, we are up to a CD-based system. That means a lot more storage space. I mean, the last cartridge we talked about was 32 megabits. Uh, this could be about 1,800 megabits because of the CD-ROM. So certainly, this has a deep plot, right? Well, it's actually <laughs> a bit more complicated than the previous games. It's still ultimately a story of battle between dragons and evil gods, but. It's got a lot more complexities, a much more built world with concepts of like, well, basically the whole idea that magical things, when they die, magical creatures like, say, dragons, when they die, they, their bodies turn into a crystal material called trism, or chrism. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. This material is used as the basis for an entire industrial society, which is now the setting of this game. The whole game starts off with, in the depths of an ancient dragon graveyard, which is now turned into a chrism mine. They, the, the miners dig up a small living dragon. This dragon wakes up, goes on a rampage, incinerating everyone. Though they, uh, most are presumed to survive. I can't remember. Maybe not. And after the rampage is done, this dragon is, reveals itself to be a young boy named, blue-haired boy named Ryu. Or at least it's called Ryu. And then this catapults him on a long, complicated adventure where he, as a child, goes off and meets other people and mostly kind of be- falls in with the young princess Nina. And I can't even remember the full scale of their adventures. He has his friends Ray and Tipo, Ray being the cat man, Tipo being another, just a guy with long purple hair. It was the same age as Ryu. And They've got to wander around. They get wiped out by a pair of guys who have horse heads. And then they go off on more adventures, join a coliseum, meet a guy named Gar, who's a giant demon-looking man who's actually rather nice despite his fierce appearance. Then they go off. Gar takes Ryu to an ancient shrine. Uh, Stuff happens there. Time jump. Um, years later, Ryu's adventure begins again. This time he's actually an adult. And yeah, they continue on to a long journey in search of the god who long ago ordered all dragons to be ex- he, he, he just killed the last dragon. And that eventually takes them to a crazy desert full of machines where that god, Myria, who's actually Tyr from the first game, I think, it resides. That's most of it, I think. Okay. Further than I got. <laughs> <laughs> Much further than I got. Fair enough. The game ended before the desert. No one will convince me otherwise. Oh <laughs> 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 well, um, looks like we have a pretty, uh, pretty round set of characters that help uh, get you through the story, right? 
Except I'm looking at the pictures here, uh, Nathan. Hopefully, what I'm looking at is incorrect because I don't see a cat girl. I see a cat guy who just does He's a not. dude. Yeah, yeah it just doesn't float your boat. He just doesn't. No, I'm looking at him. There's he's got pants on for one. I mean, <laughs> which in this case I'm glad he does. But the, the guy he's based on from Breathfire Two didn't have pants actually. Okay, I, I see this some improvement here. So this character called Momo just doesn't do it for you, Phil. You know she. You know it's really funny. You're not gonna believe this, Mike. Because this is such a departure from previous games in the series where the names kind of match up with the characters. But this lady, Momo, she's wearing a really big dress. Now, you think she'd be wearing a Momo, but instead it looks like a bell-shaped, humongioso, fat lady dress. But I guess it's not technically a Momo, so that is a departure. I'm not sure. I don't know. All right. Man, it's getting unpredictable now. I don't know. So who's the little red girl in the front? What's that? Looks like another Nina to me. Is it a Nina? Yep, the third Nina. Oh, okay. Well, I like this Nina better than the last two. She's cool. She's kind of cute. She doesn't have the big, scary, swoopy wings. Yeah. yeah. And this is the, in this version of the world, people have kind of lost all of their special powers from the previous two. So most more normal people, a lot less people with crazy powers. There's almost, almost no winged people anymore and stuff like that. Yeah, it actually, it ties into the plot pretty interestingly. Uh, yeah, it does. Evolutionary. Remember, right. Welcome the, to the... Welcome to the RPG Backtrack, where we solely rate characters in video games, totally depending on their looks. Are you saying we're shallow? No, no, we're artistically inclined. It sounds to me I like, never, like I was Phil... about to deconstruct the role of technology and, uh, <laughs> and, and stasis and cultural change, but if you well, want you to, need to talk to, about Zach. that... All you need to do is just go off like you're on Bravo. Well, I like the Onion guy. He's kind of round and funny looking. See, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> well, now I'm uh, just go- I'm just going totally on your superficial takes on these characters because I haven't played the game yet. Are you going to sell me on it? Well, Pecos uh, an onion, and in battle he turns into a bigger onion and he punches things. So that's pretty cool. See, also, he starts at level things. one. He starts at level one. So hard to bring him back up to level. It's worth that's it if you do, but well, he's at level one, and you're at what point in the game when you get him? Uh, about a third of the way through, I got pretty much every other party member, much higher, like level twenty something maybe. Yeah, he'd be pretty weak at the start. Yeah, and when your choices are between a little onion guy and Momo, who is a bazooka that can just uh, get bigger and smaller, it's kind of a hard choice to make right off the bat. Indeed, it is. And Ray the Were Tiger, who steals. Uh, I don't know. I always have to use the stealing guy in my party because otherwise I feel like I'm going to miss a big chunk of the game and uh, with the stolen objects. Also, there's the fact that Ray can turn into well, a were-tiger where he bulks up a bit and goes crazy. Helpful because no it costs no MP. It's helpful because he does, it doesn't cost any MP and does tons of damage. Dangerous because he occasionally attacks you and can one-shot some of your party members. Like Pego. Or Nina. Poor Nina. Yes. He just likes eating Nina and Momo for some reason. Like, whenever I use him. Poor fragile Nina. Who, after a stint in his attack mage, is back to being... Wait, no. She's still an attack mage in this one, thinking about just wind magic. I'm getting hit myself. <laughs> in this game, the only healer is Ryu, which is a problem because you want to use all his MP for, dra- for his powerful dragon transformations. 
Wait, he's the only healer? I think the only one with any real skill, yeah. That is weird. Uh, can you get a healing skill from one of the uh, the trainers? Yeah, you can get healing skills from monsters and, tra- and the masters, but yeah, I think yeah, Ryu's, the only one, Ryu's the only one who's a full-powered healer on his own, But even though you want to use all those MP first powerful dragon forms. My biggest complaint right. with the game, actually. It's not the desert, really? Okay, the desert sucks, but that's because the localization just hates you at that point. Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying that Capcom localized it, and the localization wasn't top-notch? I just want to be clear here. Let's just say that there's a point in the game where the game says, you must go left. <laughs> in fact, you need to go right. Exit! Stage right, Ooh. even! Don't that just beat off? <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you this, Nathan. Is it better than the second game's translation? I think so. <laughs> You're not filling us with much confidence. I can't remember the quality of the translation. No, definitely. It's been a while. But yeah, I think it's there's better. There's even some intentional funny parts. Uh, the, the part that I remember is when you go to the fairy town the first time, and you're fighting this Australian shark or a dolphin or something like that, and first he says this thing in complete Australian gibberish, and then a note pops up that says... English translation. <laughs> These girls are giving me a lot of trouble, or something like that. And I thought that was pretty funny. There's a lot of good. I don't speak Australian shark. Cool. Okay. Any other thoughts on the characters? Um. Yeah. Gar is awesome. I mean, there's not much else to say about it. I believe he was an experienced warrior, was he not? Guardians or something or other. Yeah, he's the last of a group of monks who are hundreds of years ago turned into powerful demon warriors in order to fight off uh, off the dragons. Hmm. He's a really big guy, right? Yeah, big horns. Carries a giant spear, which is on fire. Hmm. Every Breath Fire game has the big guy who stands in the back to tie the team together. I don't remember anybody mentioning Tipo, and that's probably because I ducked out for a second. What is he? Yeah, Tipo is basically, he's just one of those kids who hang out with Ryu in the very early part of the game. Uh, after they're attacked by enemies, he vanishes for the rest of the game until the very end where suddenly it turns out, oh yeah, he's actually this game's Dark Dragon, and he fights you. Oh, oh, sounds like a spoiler. That's good, though. We, we haven't been having any major spoilers this time. We need to get on that. Okay, cool. Now, uh... I, I think I see that this is like the Final Fantasies and that when it went to PlayStation, we suddenly went from four-member parties to three-member parties. Is that right? Yeah, sadly. <laughs> that was that was important. We didn't – you know, we realized – I mean the ga- the people at Zony, man, they're, they're just brilliant, okay? So, <laughs> so they realized that as games graphics got better and better, we were pushing 3D graphics you know, for the first time, that the IQ of the average gamer would get smaller and smaller. So accordingly, they reduced the party members the further we got along in gaming history. Because on the Nintendo, I distinctly remember playing uh, – what was it? Uh, Dungeon and uh, Dragon. Dragons, uh, 
uh, pools of radiance, and I had five, I believe, team members on that one. And then I got to the Super Nintendo Breath of Fire, and I've got four team members, and now we're on the PlayStation. I've gotten three. I'm sure by the time we got to the PlayStation 3, I think – oh, that's right. Yeah, because you know, PlayStation 3, I'm, I'm playing games like Fallout where I only have one character now. What the heck? It just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Soon the game will play itself for me. I'll just sit back and watch, and we'll call it a role-playing game. Those are called movies. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Sony's ahead on that one, too, because they're already making them. They're ahead of the curve. (laughs) And you'll be able to watch them in beautiful 3D on your PlayStation 4. The Smellorama. Yeah. Oh, man, he just took his shoes off. Put it back on, man. All right. So, all right. So, uh, there is only three characters. Does that mean that the gameplay, the battles, is, are, are more shallow? They've actually been more complicated than they ever were before. How so? The combo meter. <laughs> combo uh, meter. The combo meter in this game is. I, I know think it's so. four. Okay. Well, there's a. Let's see here. I mean, I think you had on this one. You had the master system. Yeah, the master system, which. Oh, you're right. Get, you're right. It's yeah, you can gain skills by learning from masters, or by raising your level while you're serving under them. This adjusts your stat growth and gives unlocks skills. Very useful. Wait, also, wait. The, the master system, so you, can, you gain skills by like playing the original Fantasy Star. No, you gain skills by studying under various people you meet who are called <laughs> masters. Somebody had to make that joke. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> You could have made the joke about the Golden Axe ripping off Zelda, but you didn't. I'm proud of you for it. <laughs> now, what was really fascinating to me, because I did actually spend a little bit of time with this game. Fortunately, not too much. Um, what was really funny was you've only got three members. Now, hold on. This, this is hilarious. This is, just, this is just awesome. You've only got three members, and yet, unlike probably any other Breath of Fire game, I don't remember doing this before, you have the ability to put them in a formation. There's only three! What the heck? One person in the front or two people in the front? Hmm. I, come on. Well, the, wait, okay. but could you do all three in the back? I, you probably could. I don't remember that much. Well, yeah. Normally, I think it's just like one in front or two in back, back or two in front, one in back. But if you train under certain masters, you can unlock other formations, which are actually fun and useful. I've never done this, but it's possible. I, I, all I know is just kind of cool to put Momo or whatever her name was up in the front because she really looked like she could take the pain. She, I, she's got enough clothing on to stop a, a, a bazooka. I just I, I don't know. I think she was good up front. Just me. Just I, I don't know. <sighs> all right, but yeah, there were they were able to put the woman, the rabbit woman, whatever she is, in front of the party so that all of her clothes can absorb the enemy fire is an interesting selling point. Yeah. Yeah. I, there was there was some sort of uh, tactical benefit. I I just had to laugh because it was only three characters. I, it was just it, it reminded me. Yeah, I, I've got yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but I do think that the master system was the thing that kind of stood out in my mind. Anyways, as one of the highlights of the overall character growth. I'm a big fan of deeper battle mechanics, as everybody knows, but I'm also a big fan of deeper uh, character development mechanics. I think those two things uh, really make uh, RPGs more enjoyable for me on a personal level. So I think that was one of the things I really uh, enjoyed about the the game, being able to kind of tutor them, and just depending on who you put with whom, you could uh, you could learn, you could have your characters learn things faster or learn things they couldn't learn otherwise. So that's kind of cool. There's also the fun ability to learn abilities from monsters at various times, just by 
sitting there and watching the monsters do their stuff. This is kind of a pain in this game, better in the next, but useful. Okay, so what about interaction? Was there cool, fun, and exciting things you could do in mini-games or building your own cities? or uh, was So it... many mini-games. Well, talk about them. Yeah. You could chop okay, wood. First... And you could train a wimp to fight. Or, you know, oh, you could... wow, you're Fish. selling me on it already. That's also the first <laughs> of the great fishing systems of the Breath of Fire series, because this is the first time fishing is crazy fun. It is awesome. I want you guys to listen to your... great mini-game. I want you guys to just listen to yourselves back and let, let, for a minute. And let me, let me help you put your minds back for about 100 years, 200 years ago, when you know settlers were going out to the western frontier and going on the Oregon Trail, and they had to spend hours and months and years chopping wood, farming, and fishing. And this was their everyday, grueling, boring part of the life. Did they have any idea that a hundred years later there'd be a bunch of guys sitting around going, "Yeah, I was chopping wood and fishing. It was fun." It wasn't fun. Okay, <laughs> just, just saying. I'm, I'm wondering. Fishing the wimp if it wasn't very fun either. Is, is this the Harvest Moon? Fishing was fun though. Is this the Harvest Moon show, Mike? Did, did, did we get these shows confused? Harvest Moon. Breath of Fire. Okay, what about? I think you're. I think you're thinking of Ray, Rune Factory actually. Rune Factory. Because there is fighting in these in Breath of Fire. Oh, okay. It's it's Rune. Yeah, it's Rune Factory before Rune Factory even came out. Okay, what about what about what about? Could I build cities? Because that's a big staple, right? Oh. Okay. Yes, you can build cities on the condition you're willing to build a city out of fairies. The entire population of the city is fairies. That's fair. Oh, th- that's actually not bad, Nathan. For a minute, I thought that the city was constructed of fairies. <laughs> 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 oh snap! <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, we're we're going to a very hot place when we're done with this podcast. All right. I think I just inadvertently gave the idea to a developer somewhere out there that we'll see in the near future. <laughs> New breath of fairies. You too can make your own town. It'll be, it'll be called Fairyville. It'll if be Z-Boyd on... Games is listening, we'll find Z-Boyd, out. Yeah, <laughs> I just read an article they're looking for their next big game because, you know, Farmville's kind of done all it can do and they need another big game. You just gave it to them, Mike. You should have held out. You could have made a, a commission or something. A well, you can always selectively edit. All right. Ampersand. All right. So, <laughs> whew. <laughs> All right. Kind of got off track there. We did. We got off track on the backtrack. Go figure. So is there any, <laughs> any, any other elements that stick out in your mind that we haven't discussed regarding this game? Kind of went over the plot, the characters. Dragon gene system. Dragon gene system. Good. Very important. Yeah. Talk about that. Uh, basically – Unlike the Breath of Fire 2, Dragon Transformation is fun again in 3 because you get to find different items called Dragon Genes, which lets you like, combine them in different ways, get all kinds of different Dragon Forms, which is fun, actually. Really kind of complex, interesting system. Apparently there's nothing else more to it than that, but I'll take it. <laughs> more, more enjoyable than Breath of Fire 2's Dragon System sounds like a taker. Yeah, that's like Something like, what, 15 to 18 different genes you can use? Maybe even more? I can't remember. And they're ranging from just different combinations. Like, if you just use fire, you get a dragon pup. If you use fire plus defender, full dragon. Uh, then you get all kinds of random stuff like random or weird special combinations to just get giant super forms, which actually kind of suck. Or yeah, and the some Myrmidon of the genes form. are... Some of the genes are really useful only in one form, and the rest of the time they're ridiculous and give you a dragon you'd think why would i want to make this guy yeah and then later the dream reveals its true power 
Yeah, and then there's stuff like the Infinity Gene, which is basically, again, with Return to Dre in his ultimate form. Kaiser. For, for the first time, actually called that in the game, I think. Even though it's, that's yeah, always what's called in the Japanese versions. Is he German? No, but it's still... Is he a big... crab? No, thank okay. God. <laughs> Those are the only two uses of Kaiser I can remember offhand. Except for a Simpsons quote that we shouldn't get into. Kaiser Roll. The most evil German of all time. Kaiser Wilhelm. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, we gotta wrap this up. Uh, you guys are starting to get a little too crazy on me here. Uh, okay, I, I have seen that this is supposedly the longest of them all. Is that accurate? Um, I suppose so. I think the original has more dungeons and stuff, but it's easier to go through them much more quickly than this one, and you don't have to basically go through again because of the time jump. So this probably is the longest one. It felt like it. <laughs> So, yeah, how long did it take you to reach this desert, which apparently ends the game? <laughs> I don't even remember. I think this was one of the uh, clock overflow games. Hmm. So, cards. Oh, and before I forget, how does Blue figure into this one? Um, or is she called she, Deus now? Yeah, she's called Deus now. Different name, same character. You first see her floating around naked in a giant energy field. You have no idea what's up with that until much later in the game where she pops out of the energy field, still naked, and then does some stuff to help the characters out. And that's about so she it. doesn't actually join you this time? Nope. For some reason. No, she's the, she's the sister of the main boss, I believe. Final boss. Man, these snake goddesses just have fascinating lineages. Unless they have fascinating cleavages, I don't care. All right, so... <laughs> she probably does, Phil. Oh, link me. All right, so... <laughs> all right, so... All right, so, 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 Nathan, do you recommend this game for the retro pre crowd out there? Yes. Is it yes, worth yes. $499.98? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Because for a limited time, the listening audience, don't walk, run, and buy your very own brand new factory-sealed black label version, absolutely pristine, at half.com for $499.98. Now, now those of you who aren't quite as hardcore, you might want to go for the used copy, which is running about 40 bucks. Is 40 bucks worth it, Nathan? I guess so. Okay. But only... Only the wusses go for that. The real RP gamers go for the brand new factory sealed edition. I'm now I know I should hold on to my copy. <laughs> I know. I get it. Keep it and warm every night underneath oh. your bed pillow. Okay, Phil. While we're on this, how much does the PAL version of the PSP port go for? A PAL version of the PSP? Uh, let's. See. As opposed to the Japanese version, which is. Uh, PlayStation. Uh, but oh, here we go. PlayStation Portable 2005 Breath of Fire 3. Brand new sealed for forty bucks, plus shipping. Eh, I think it's also on the. I think it's also on the European PSN actually. So and um, I, I don't I would, think PSP's region locked either, is it? Nope, no, it isn't. So yeah, you can grab this guy on the go for about forty bucks and have fun with that. That's that's not a bad deal. I mean, that's that's about going right for a new RPG, anyways. Um, but I don't know if Mister who was it that was complaining about deserts or something. Who, who was that? What? Was, was that was that was that wacky? 
Wacky Zacky. Uh, I don't remember any deserts. Don't know what you're talking about. Who was saying that some you game? Hold on one second, Nathan. We'll bring you right back. Who who was it that was saying the game ended at the oasis or desert or something? Yeah, just how could you forget the wonderful, yeah, yeah. wonderful yeah. desert of death? Ah! Oh, okay. There <laughs> it is. There. I knew Wacky, so, Wacky Zacky had you know brought that out. So, so Zach, is it worth forty dollars to play the game up until then? Yeah, and if you, you if you figure out the translation, it's actually worth t- playing past the desert too. I think there's some uh, fun parts in the final dungeon. It's a real neat design that contrasts with the rest of the game. Uh, final boss uh, seemed to be a conversation with her that I remember being pretty neat too, but it was a while ago. Um, I mean, uh, real fast. I don't want to dwell on it, but I, I do want to touch on it. Um. Do do what? What exactly stopped you at the desert? It didn't actually stop me. I I was playing that up. It, I just spent an awful lot of time there getting lost, and it's a uh, a different uh, type of screen. It's like the rotating around a character standing in the middle, rather than a standard overview. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, it would take you into a screen where the a normal overview screen where monsters would attack and you would, could dodge rocks. And then you'd have to camp so you wouldn't get scorched during the day. And it was just wandering around where everything looked the same and too many monsters and arg. Hmm. And there were special treasures if you wandered further out into the uncharted desert. And of course I wanted those. Yeah, the thing about the desert is, you know how I mentioned right at the beginning that there's a translation error which says, which it says left but it means right, or it says right and means left. I can't remember. That's for the deserts, which means it'll take you like over an hour to realize that you were going the wrong direction, and it'll suck in the whole entire time. And to follow the star at night, so you can only travel at night. Don't make sure not to follow the wrong star. Yeah. Don't be fooled by the mirages. I actually kind of like that sequence because it's such a accurate portrayal of the difficulty of navigating through open drowns. It's kind of a fun moment of actually, like, this is what actual exploration is like. But at the same time, it's a pain. Hmm. No. Okay. All right. Well, that's... Well, that wraps it up for number three. Hey, 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 hey. No, we don't care about you. Oh. All right, fine. I guess I should let you say something. <laughs> well, I think I had the misfortune of having played this game after Suikoden, so I found it kind of slow and boring, and the three party members especially drove me nuts after going from Suikoden's six party members. So, uh, you know... Wait, wait, wait. It sounds like you're saying that Konami did not dumb down its games for the 32-bit generation. That is exactly what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Uh, Which company is bigger now? Capcom? Or what was that other one you said? I don't even know what it's... I never heard of it before. So keep going. I think my point is made. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I just didn't find anything that really grabbed me about this game. You know, it's kind of got the same issue I had with 2, where it kind of has a neat little intro section, not as cool as 2, and then kind of gets off to a slower start. And it just... Never really struck me as anything other than average. I still bought, I still imported the PSV version for some reason, but 
I, which it I, should be I, said is a much easier import since you can import it in English. Exactly. But I still have not been able to sit down and actually finish. Maybe I'd like it better if I did. It's just, you know, there's only so much time in a day. And I, I, <laughs> it's these, okay. these, R, these RPGs need to stop with the boring beginnings. And the boring middles. No, I mean... My sentiment kind of echoes yours. I did play this, and I had the exact same thing happen to me. Essentially, this is um, – while it does have some some interesting qualities, and we talked about those, um, at the end of the day, this does feel like a very by-the-numbers uh, JRPG. And while I certainly don't speak for the whole panel, my own personal <laughs> my own personal viewpoints, most of you all know, is that by this time we're talking like the late 90s or so, um, I had already played well, uh, oh, you know, about a decade or so of traditional JRPGs. And while the graphics were pretty for its time, uh, I like the fact they stuck with the 2D and didn't try to force it into a 3D too early. Um, the fact that it just felt generic and that the the speed of the combat and it was kind of slow multiplied by all the random encounters, it just the whole speed of the game speeds really kind of slow. Yeah, and so like you, it wasn't that I felt like it it had a bunch of negatives that made it a bad game or anything like that, but there was more exciting stuff to play. And every time I even thought about going back to it, why there was something more exciting over here on the side that that didn't take 80 hours to get through a 20-hour story. So uh, I I, I would recommend it to uh, people who are big fans of the JRP genre, who maybe I think right now you don't get a real metric ton of traditional JRPGs on your console systems. You are seeing uh, some here and there on the handhelds, uh, but you don't get a a whole lot there. Uh, So this is definitely an an okay pickup for somebody who's into that sort of thing. But outside of that... Uh yeah, look into it. <laughs> or or yeah. you could just borrow it from a friend of yours for like five years, and I'm not sure Michael knows I still have his copy. Keep it. It's worth forty bucks. Five hundred if you just put it in some shrink wrap around it, use a hair dryer, and it looks brand new, man. It's awesome. Yeah, game collectors never check that. No, they never do. Well, the, the scary thing is that I actually have a friend of mine's copy of Final Fantasy One, the NES cartridge it still has the box and all the paperwork that was in the box wow nice oh, i don't so know many people throw away that stuff yep they shouldn't do it all right well while a lot of you are running back into the trash to look for your copy that you threw away or something along those lines we'll take another brief recess and return back with our thorough thoughts and impressions of breath of fire 4 on tight. Excited and geared up and ready to talk about Breath of Fire 4. Developed and published by our 
wonderful friends at Capcom. This is a single-player RPG experience for your PlayStation, PlayStation Portable, and Microsoft Windows platforms, released originally on April 27, 2000. This one is rated T for terribly by the numbers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I slipped out. You kind of suffer from one of these days. No, no, it isn't by the numbers. It has a combo system that makes all the difference. But we'll get to that after we let Mr. Nathan inundate us with the plot. Dive into okay. it, Mr. Schlothen. It's all yours. Okay, so basically, at the start of the game, out of nowhere, the blue-haired Ryu just kind of poofs into existence. That's seriously how the game starts. And where he's then found by the Princess Nina again, and the, and the, and the, the kind of well-muscled cat guy, Cray, who's one of her allies, and they go off on adventures in search of Nina's sister, and then stuff about the about the ancient the ancient king of the empire who's at war with their homeland. And I'm struggling to remember some of the details on the fact that every so often in this game you switch over to a very different perspective. That's the emperor, the perspective of the emperor Faolu, or however you want to pronounce that name. I'm not sure exactly the right pronunciation, but Faolu mm-hmm. basically he just it switches over to him, where basically he is an ancient emperor of the who founded a great and powerful empire as, as its god emperor. He actually is also the game's main dark dragon, and his story is fun and interesting. Really fun and interesting. It basically goes about basically waging war against the empire, or that basically the, he's supposed to come back and rule it again, and the current emperor doesn't want that. So the emperor keeps sending assassination squads after him, and Falu just keeps utterly mauling them, being the ancient all-powerful god emperor dragon king he is and it's very much a very different tone than the story seen in the rest of the, rest of the game where it's just Ryu's story and there's an interesting overlap in how okay the basic thing of the game is that Ryu and Falu are basically the same guy just long ago people tried to summon an ancient super dragon god and it kind of went awry and they kind of so they got two halves of an ancient dragon god one which is Falu one which is Ryu and they're destined to fight or fuse together, whichever you pick at the end, which determines what you're doing for the final battle. And that's about all I can remember. There's other stuff in there, like the poor fate of Nina's sister, but I can't remember all the details. I'm getting kind of tired. And I I remember playing this one and beating it, but a lot of the middle is just question marks. Yeah, I guess, so, I guess you meet different dragon spirits and have to prove yourself to them or beat them up. Yeah, you, you need to go gather or various other dra- the help of various other dragons who are chilling around the world, and you need to gather the power of the earth, the dragon, into yourself, build up your own dragon power, go confront the emperor for vague reasons I can't remember. Some and then middle- you have to fight to see if gods stay around on Earth or if it's just dragons. Is that right? Um, I think it's more the fact that it's basically you needed to. Decide, I think it's basically decide whether you go. Basically, at the very end, you need to decide whether you go Falu's route, where Ryu and Falu fuse together. You control Falu as he annihilates the main party, using the power of the Infinity Dragon, or you have to fight Falu to stop him from re- re- ruling of the worlds, and thus all dragons fade away, kind of. Oh. Okay. I think the game makes most sense if you think of it as a giant prequel to all the other Breath of Fire games, where this is the origin story of how the Dragon Clan came into the world, and there's, there's various things hinted at the origin of Tyr or Myria, and but that's only vaguely loosely connected, and 
not really hinted at strongly with the game itself. Okay. So let's talk about the characters a little bit. I see Nina's back. Nina's always back. Nina's skirt is really short in this picture. I think y'all should go look at the skirt. That's what makes a character right there. No, I, I, so... <laughs> so talk about... In all seriousness, talk about the characters. Okay. Uh, Ryu's kind of a blank slate again. Um, not much else to say about him. He's probably the least personality of any Ryu, which is saying something. Hardcore Gaming says he's amnesiac. Oh, jeez. He's not even amnesiac. He simply has no existence prior to the start of the game. He just doesn't exist. He simply this just kind of pops into existence in the start of the game. It's the first thing he ever experiences in that world. He's kind of presumably some ancient being who was summoned to that world from some other existence, they kind of imply, but it's doesn't... He, basically, he has no memories of that existence, so it doesn't really matter. Hmm. Uh... Next up is Nina, who's again back as a princess. This time around, for the first time, she's both attack mage and healing mage. So it's actually the most useful version of Nina ever. Um, then there's Cray, the big tiger guy. So no, sorry, no tiger girl again. <laughs> I know you're looking forward to that Phil, but not this time. Aww. Uh, I can. There's also Sias, Skias, well, dog yeah. guy samurai who. Yeah, I think they did some censorship for him. I can't remember what. Was he always drunk or always smoking? I can't remember what they censored. Oh, I hadn't drunk. heard that. Yeah, I think the Japanese version size was always drunk, but not in the North American version. Okay, in the North American version, was he just real shy and uh, stumbly? I think so, yeah. He spoke the stutter, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's Ershin, the weird mechanical being who is, in fact, the vessel for this game's version of Udeis. But so it's just instead of blue-haired snake woman in your party, you get small metal round thing. But that's similar. Wearing a cape. Magic. Yeah, wearing a cape. Uh, I'm <laughs> totally blank on who else. It's, there's the uh, Ursula. Yeah, Ursula, the fox-tailed girl from the Empire who uses a gun and fire magic. Yeah, I thought she was neat because she was the. I'm from a different empire. I have different goals than you, but we're gonna team up temporarily. Yeah, for the greater good. That kind of thing. Okay, Hardcore Gaming says that, says that Ershin is Deus in disguise. Yeah. Well, not really in disguise. They're separate characters. Just Deus is an existence which is inside Ershin, powering Ershin. Because Deus can't act, doesn't have, she have physical bodies, so she can't actually manifest in the world herself. Huh. Instead, she's in this wacky pocket world that she's created where she's attended to by muscular hunks all the time. I posted a video of that earlier. That sounds like something she would enjoy. But isn't this set before all of the others, which means that she should be younger than ever? Why can't she manifest herself? It's a bit weird, uh, simply because this is... its You can think of it as a prequel, but there's n this doesn't really... S no strict signs that it is. Um, it makes sense if you think of it that way, but it, the game itself doesn't really specifically blatantly call it out as such. Uh... But also, again, this is, before, this is before even the Dragon Clan exists and such, so the world doesn't quite have as it is when it, you've seen later Breath of Fire games, if you think it's a prequel. So it's not... Simply, she's just not altogether there, not necessarily younger. She's eternally youthful anyway, so she wouldn't appear younger anyways. Fair enough. That's, that's what happens with goddesses. They don't age. Okay. So, what about the, uh, the, uh, so let's get to the, uh, character development battle system type of thing. 
I see the uh, tutoring or master system is back. Yeah, master system is back. I think it works a bit better than before, actually. Since instead of leveling up a character, you can build up the master's and learn the skills from master. You instead have to fill up various special requirements, like beat so many enemies, get a such a high combo, do this well in this minigame, stuff like that. Okay. So it gives each master a unique feel. That's neat. Pretty much. It makes it a bit more fun. And there is a combo system, so... Uh... It counts the number of times you hit with uh, linked attributes, like uh, two wind spells in a row, I think. Or basically, if you do, okay, go ahead. Yeah, basically, uh, if like for example, if you use a wind spell, then another wind spell, the second wind spell will hit more times to do more damage. Uh, if you follow up one element attack with a different element, they'll occasionally combine together to create a, a, a mixed elemental attack of boosted strength. I think that there's also a camel counter that the more times you attack in a row without the enemy interrupting, they more overall, I think it boosts damage or something, and just it's a flashy combo counter counting. And I can't remember any other features of the system. Okay. Yeah, that's very much what I'm kind of showing here in the notes. So um, I didn't, this is one I didn't actually play, and as somebody might have, te- might or may not have texted me earlier. Um, Three kind of bored me so much that I never looked at four too closely. Um, so <laughs> what about what about the mini games interaction? The cities? Did this stand yeah, out? How's, how's fishing this time around? Yeah, is fishing more fishing exciting. Fishing is really good this time around. Actually, I prefer the three system a little bit more. But four is actually very realistic system of tossing your line to different and spots, lots of shallow water, having to guess where the fish are, all kinds of complicated terrain, different bait choices, good rewards. I can't remember if the rewards are good. Probably good. Yeah, the, the, the very least, there's one master you need to build up uh, via fishing. And you can use the fish's items yourselves and buy cool equipment using, by selling the fish to the fish man. And, yeah. Also, in this game, there's all kinds of mini-games, like right, chasing around the, the desert on a, a sand ship, or gathering up monsters or whitewater rafting. And by doing well in these minigames, you can actually power up your dragon forms and level up some more advanced dragon forms. And also the fairy town is back. Only only populated by fairies, not actually composed of them. Yes, populated by fairies. Though this time, instead of actually being pre-built houses, you actually get to lay out the entire structure of their town by placing houses here and there and such. Now, this is still not terribly advanced, sadly. It's not like we're getting a dark cloud level town building system. Hmm. That's more useful than the dark cloud town system. So, there's that. Hmm. Okay, so any other thoughts about the Breath of Fire game 4? Oh, I found this section on an unnamed internet encyclopedia about the different uh, censorship bits that were taken out. And yes, uh, Skaas was drunk, but possibly more importantly, there were four scenes that were taken out. One that involved Falu decapitating the Emperor. Spoilers. Ryu spying on Nina and Ursula bathing in a pond. Ryu accidentally grabbing Ursula's breast, and Ursula dropping her pants on a dare. So import the Japanese version if you are so interested on those. Dropping her pants on a deer. A dare. Oh, I dare. Okay, that's that makes more sense than dropping them onto a deer. Moderately, I'm still not sure if it fits in her character. Yeah, it's kind of a random thing. Uh, Tawdry fan service. I'll have nothing of it. 
There's actually a couple things they left in, which are fairly, like, disturbingly suggestive, which I almost, I don't want to mention because so. Uh, so it was, like, they almost kind of dropped some of the tame stuff compared to some, what, some of the kind of truly creepy stuff that happens in the game in a couple of places. But, yeah. I don't remember any creepy stuff, but you don't want to talk about it. Let's move well, on. Well, let's just say Fishman Merchant and Nina. And that whole uh, scene. Just, yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Nathan, sounds like you're clearly the resident expert on Final Fantasy IV. I mean, Final Fantasy Breath of Fire 4. I only have one question for you. What? Is it worth $126.86? Uh... Probably not, unless you're much wealthier than I am. <laughs> is it worth $35? Uh, probably, yeah. It's a fun game. It has a few weak points. The Falu story is way better than the Ryu story, but the Ryu story is what you spend most of the time playing. The, the Falu story actually is quite good. Um, the combat is fun. I mean, basically, if you like the previous Breath of Fire games, you'll like this one. Uh, it's not a stellar RPG, but it is a fun one. Hmm. Okay. Do you think, uh, since you're the the one who's clearly the most experienced on the whole quadrilogy here, which one do you prefer? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm hard pressed to say. I have very fond memories for the original, but that's probably nostalgia talking a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's hard pressed to say. I guess the simple truth is that none of these games are perfect. My Dream Breath of Fire, based off these original four, have mixed up my favorite elements of all of them, and none of them quite do that. And I can't always really say, but the true one I is absolute favorite is probably the one we're getting to next. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And, and these these four kind of set apart. But, I mean, you know, kind of stand together because not only are they chronologically numbered, and the next one's kind of you know differently named. But uh, but clearly, you know, the the there's not much deviation. <laughs> From one game to the next, obviously some progression in the graphics, a little bit of layer of depth added in from you know from each one. It sounds like um, with the combo system and tutoring systems or master systems being added on, uh, even though they did strip away a party member, which I guess kind of offsets that a little bit, I suppose. But they did add formations for three people, so you can have a triangle or a line. Triangle or line. I'm sorry, all right, I gotta stop that. All right, so. But um, again, uh, it sounds like uh, yeah. If you're into if you're into JRPGs, it sounds like this is a pretty solid series all the way across. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, it's not exceptional, but it's solid. Okay, and uh, seems like uh, for the most part, these uh, these games are pretty affordable, but clearly in somewhat demand because their prices um, are staying up there in around the forty dollar mark. So uh, the PlayStation uh, version I see for forty bucks here used. Phil, Phil. Breath of Fire 4 is on PSN for $5.99. $5.99? Are you out of your mind? I'm, I'm telling the truth. $5.99. You know, I mean, that's just crazy, man. That's just crazy. If You know what? Listen, um, listen to all of me. All of you. Listen to me, okay? Real RP gamers don't spend $5.99 on a game. They plunker down the full 40 bucks because that's the <laughs> right thing to do. Support the gaming industry. It's a good game. You need to pay full price for that garbage. Exactly. If you buy the $40 version, then you might just convince Capcom to make another one. Isn't that right? It is. uh, It absolutely is. But 
But Phil, if you buy the $40 version, Capcom's not getting into your money and they won't know that you're no, buying it. No, but trust me, when Capcom is thinking about, hmm, we need to make another sequel to another RPG series in our bat, you know, in our history, they go and look at these eBay prices. Holy cow, look, Breath of Fire 4 is going for $82 on eBay. Quick, let's make a bunch of $60 games. You see? I mean, it's just math, man. Whereas if they see people are buying it for five ninety nine, what's the point? You're not going to develop a PlayStation 3 game that's only going to sell for 6 bucks. This is pure logic, man. I'm an accounting major. This is what I do for a living. It's, it's all about the price, man. So everybody needs to go right now and vote with their dollars. It's all about voting with your dollars. That's right. Go buy it on PSN. And while you're doing that, listen to this music. We'll be right back. Fire Dragon Quarter. Boy, I need to cue the music. Da, 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 da. All right. This is what we've been waiting for. I know it's what you, the audience, have been waiting for. You have suffered through four mediocre JRPGs because you've been dying to hear about this one. Well, we are here to entertain. We are here to inform. We are here to help you open up your pocketbooks. Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, developed by Capcom Public Production Studio 3. Well, that's what they got right. They sent it to Studio Number 3 because the other studio <laughs> sucked. Published by Capcom. <laughs> this uh, this was released in Japan on November 14, 2002. And in its full glory, brought to North America February 16, 2003, the day the Earth stopped, stopped rotating for just a brief moment in celebration. This is a single-player <laughs> RPG experience for your PlayStation 2. This is rated T for terrific. Go out and tie it, buy it, whatever, right now. Just, just got to have it. Yeah. You know, Phil, it sounds almost like you're recommending it. You know, I give it three thumbs up. But but let's not get it. Three ahead. thumbs up? That's it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm borrowing the cat's paw at the moment, but she won't give me the other one. Uh, sounds like Phil's been watching Total Recall recently. <laughs> okay, so so somebody at Capcom, when they they're saying, "Hey, we need to make up another sequel," because that's what Capcom does, you know, with things like Mega Man and such. We gotta make up another what, Capcom sequel. Capcom makes sequels. I know. Get out. I've never heard of such a thing. Right. So so I got this on good authority. They were all sitting around a table saying, "Wow, we're you know we're gonna do another sequel." They they decide you know they're throwing all their 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 big name series on the table, and someone picked up you know Breath of Fire. And one of the guys said, man, but that's like so cliche. That's so traditional. They said, how can we mix it up? How, how can we do it differently? A lot of times when these guys do something differently, it usually means it's going to be something crappy and bad. But in this particular case, case, it was really, really good. Oh, my gosh. So this game totally takes off in a, a, 
in a totally different direction from the other Breath of Fire games in more ways than one. But rather than jump into uh, those things that I want to talk about, we still need to stick with the format of the show. So let's start off talking about the story, which once again features at least somebody named Ryu. Who wants to talk about the story? I'll continue the trend today. All right. Go for it, Nathan. Okay. You know, the story is basically these people living are trapped in an underground world for some unknown reason. And, you know, how do I even talk about the story of this game? It's like the story of this game is so good, I don't want to spoil anything. It's just that good. How do I talk about the story? How do you reconcile that with the fact that you're on the backtrack, huh? Fine, fine. Okay, basically in a nutshell... Ryu is a ranger, bringing back the story of... It's the, pulling back an element from Breath of Fire 2, of all things, except this time it's done well. Um, he's basically a person who's a military guard, paramilitary guards helping protect this terrible dystopian underground world from falling into even further despair and ruin. I guess it's a terrible, miserable place where they keep making genetic monstrosities, genetically engineered monstrosities for some unknown reason, and occasionally they go wild, and rangers need to go clean up the mess and such. And as a real shocker, the main character is not mute. Yeah, that actually is kind of a big change-up. He's actually tough. Yeah. Interesting character, interesting personality and a lot of character developments. Basically, this game has a ton of character development, a ton of atmosphere, this dark, messy, terrible world. And there, in the very deepest, darkest depths of it, Ryu meets a girl named Nina, a girl with wings, even though that's weird and unusual. Unlike Ryu, she is mute this time around, suffering from this, just generally she's got a terribly degraded body because she's more or less built as a living air filtering system to help clean up the toxic air of that world, which is just really bad for her because that's slowly killing her. So basically, upon meeting her, Ryu basically questions the entire order of his world and basically spends the rest of the game simply devoting his life simply to trying to save Nina, pull her out of this terrible, miserable world and bring her up to this almost mythical place, this, the world above the ground where there's a sky where in clean air. And he has to basically fight through and do every, the entire world has, he has to fight against in order to do that. And... In the meantime, he gains this mysterious power called uh, the, uh, the power of a dragon, an Odin, which he uses, which he must use in order to fight. But using this power at all will slowly build up the D counter, and when it hits 100 percent, he's basically destroyed from within by the power of the dragon. Yes, and, and you get a game over. But we'll get yep. to that whole mechanic later. We'll get to that whole mechanic in a bit. But yes. basically, the story and mechanics are interwoven so greatly in this great atmosphere. Oh my god. All kinds of complicated politics. And this is what a good video game story looks like, people. Yes. I can't uh, say that it, I mean, they stick with a three-character party here and, not, and for the whole game. You know, not, there's no switching out or anything. But what's nice here is that they really develop the whole relationship between all the characters. And even though one of them is mute, they do such a great job of just, you know, having her emote and, you know, speaking non-verbally that uh, you, you really get a relationship with these characters. Yeah, it's really great. And this is also this interesting thing that you only see part of the story your first time through. And thanks to exactly. 
thanks to the scenario overlay system that every time you start the game over again, there's more to see. And it keeps going to incredibly deep levels of, as you slowly reveal the truth behind various things, hidden relationships, hidden scenes, more character development. So every time you go through the game, it's richer and richer. It's just great. It, it's just so fantastically designed. Yeah, really, this is the video game I say. Like, if you have someone who questions whether or not video games can be art, show them this game and they'll stop questioning it. And, and, and you guys hit the nail <laughs> exactly. right on the head. I mean, uh, listeners to RPG Backtrack, most of you are probably older gamers, you know, anywhere between 25 and 45. You've played a, a bucket load of these games. Certainly you have seen... <laughs> Just how many of these games, the storylines are just throwaway. The storylines are mediocre. You just really don't care. I know I don't, uh, you know, because I, I just playing the other dra- dragon, you know, it's it just, it, come on. It, but this one is just absolutely a standout. Like you said, it, it really does feel like a piece of art. People who, when we say video games are art, these are the games we really want to point to. Uh, it was just – no, I absolutely agree with you guys on, on all accounts, and as most people know, I really don't care much about characters in the story normally. But this <laughs> one this one is original enough and gripping enough to where you will want to play it through, as you said, multiple times uh, in order to uncover uh, more and more uh, what's there. It is just absolutely fantastic. It, this, is, this is one of those rare games where it kind of hits, hits every point perfectly. Great story, great gameplay – Great music, great characters. Uh, it's just the – it's got everything. So we already talked about – talking about the story, you talked about the characters a little bit. Did you want to embellish on that anymore as far as each of the three characters? Well, there's the main hero, Ryu, who we've talked a bit about, Nina. We've almost mentioned, but that's also uh, – is it Rin? Lin? I can never quite remember how it is for her. <laughs> well, it's anyways. Lin. Lin. It is Lin. Okay. Lin. Okay. So she's another person with ears and a tail. I can never tell if she's supposed to be a cat or a fox or what, but she's got ears and a tail, but they're all covered up. And she uses a gun. And she's simply, she's an enigmatic, mysterious ally who helps out Ryu and Nina after originally attacking them because she's trying to rescue Nina. But Ryu's kind of guarding her and is confused. But she then joins up and helps guide them to the surface as just kind of big sister-like ally to help them out. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, all right, we got a really fantastic story. That's awesome. But as people have heard me say in the past, that doesn't mean a whole metric ton if the battle system doesn't hold up its end. Because after all, we can experience a great story by sitting down watching television, but you can only play a game. You know, you have to have good combat to, to make a game to go with that story, and that's what makes a good game. So let's talk about the combat system. Let me get comfortable here. All right. <laughs> okay, the combat system is good. I I, I don't know what else to say. I really like the combat system. I'm an old school gamer. Um, for me, as I mentioned before, I grew up with games like uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons and the such, where tactics is an important part of uh, fighting. And one of my problems with a lot of JRPGs, including many of the Breath of Fire games, is that the games are incredibly simplistic and tactics are pretty much you know stripped away in favor of making a few uh, decisions every battle and just kind of watching the animations play out. In this game, uh, as you're running through, and you guys can correct me because it has been like, I don't know, eight years since I played this. Um, but so if I get something wrong, and you know, feel free to jump in. But if I remember correctly, as you're walking around, and I think you can see the enemies in advance, right? Or yep. did, yeah, even, did, 
You can even drop down item weapons right. in, instant, right in front of the enemies, so that when the battle starts, the item weapons will be there and can be used as traps to hurt enemies and such. Yeah, you, yes. can, be, you can be strategic in your approach, like I said, kind of like dropping these traps and uh, trap items and the such. Once the battle begins, um, each of your characters, you'll play them in turn like a turn-based game, but you'll be able to move them around, and their positioning is important because you and the monsters not only have the standard attacks, but you have area of effect attacks. So being in the right place in the right time is important, right? It's vital. Yeah, and, uh, it's also stuff like how Nina can't even attack enemies directly at first. She only can lay traps for enemies. You have to lure them into or kick them into, and so positioning is really important overall. Yeah, and smart tactical thinking has, especially with in conjunction with the traps, can have huge payoffs. Uh, and and I love payoffs. I love thinking. <laughs> I love I love anything where I'm not just going attack, attack, heal, attack, attack, heal. No, here you will be considering your position. You'll be considering each of your members' strengths and weaknesses and their turn in combat. Uh, these are all very very important things. Um, and then there's stuff like the late game enemies who have the powerful absolute defense system, which you need to actually not oh only God. just attack carefully, you need to do these complicated elaborate combos in order to break through, so you don't do any damage at all to them. So you need to, well, at the same time, they have all kinds of complex rules in these fights, so which just really show an outstanding battle system. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different complexities to the battle system, but uh, uh, you know I think the game does a a nice job of not kind of throwing everything at you at once, but kind of slowly you know laying laying everything out for you. Even it, that doesn't mean the game's a cakewalk, of course. The game is yeah, quite difficult. Far from. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's a good reason for that difficulty, which we'll get into in just a minute, but. Yeah, you're definitely. You also have different types of attacks you can do. I think you had like a weak and a medium and a strong attack, right? And then each and various options for each. Each one has different AP costs, and there's like you can select up to three different weapons. You have a large list of skills. You can assign them to different slots. Three slots for each of weak, medium, and strong. Sometimes you can even combine different attacks, like combine Ryu's vertical slice and horizontal slice to get a cross slash. Yeah, all kinds of options. And and if you do well in the combat, get get through quick enough or uh, whatever you may do to make the game happy, you can earn bonus experience. So there's even further payoff for thinking and working strategically and fighting. Rather than this is not the type of JRPG attack attack healer where you just kind of slosh your way through. Every battle is important uh, and and helps you to get stronger um, or it can be uh, very detrimental in the long run. One of the things <laughs> you can do is like with most dragon dragon do breath of fire games you can turn into a dragon but that d yeah and that <laughs> that makes you a totally badass kick butt dragon but it has a little small side effect you see there's there's this tiny small. little just a tiny small effect <laughs> one of the really cool things about this game is at the top there is this counter it starts off saying something like zero 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 percent and uh, as you're going through the game it slowly goes up and it's no big secret that when that thing hits a hundred percent it's game over that's basically you turning over to the dark dragon side and uh for the most part taking x number of steps raises that by 0.1 percent but there's a uh, dragon attacks and the almighty act of turning into a dragon which can make it go up a lot faster i think turn yeah it's like Go ahead. Deep breath can just eat it through in just a trivial amount of time. Any form of dragon transformation will use up at least one percentage. Then you can use up two percent to use D charge. 
You can use like, just like two or three D-charge and level any enemy in the game in one strike with this, but every time you do so, you just D-counter. So basically you can get out of any, no matter how bad the situation is, you can get out of it if you use Dragon Power. And this comes up because the game is brutal. And th there's some fights, I almost wonder if it's even possible without Dragon Power, if I wonder if in fact I actually did it. And <laughs> seriously, it's like the first time I fought this, like you can't do this without dragon power. And then like three times the game later, it's like, oh, that's how you do it without dragon power. So <laughs> it's kind of like your own inbuilt race. You're trying to make it back up to the surface. You're getting closer with every step, but also every step is bringing you closer to permanently uh, succumbing to the influence of being being a dragon or whatever have you. Your D counter goes up to 100% and you get a game over. Now this um, this all might sound now I mean some listeners are listening to this and saying, "Wow, okay, you're telling me that these battles are hard." And then the one thing I have that can possibly make some of these impossible battles easy is going to chew up this D counter, which is basically a, a time a countdown for the game to be over. Uh, wow, it just sounds like either way I'm going to lose and that sounds sucky. But wait, no, actually losing this game is really cool. And why is that, guys? Hold on one second. Uh, we're going to have a little technical difficulties. Let's bring Nathan back. Uh, try again, Nathan. Uh, scenario overlay. It's just hey, at any time you can just if, if you die or just feel like giving up, you can just restart and either go back to another checkpoint using the game's fairly limited save save system, or even go back to the very beginning of the game. This opens up new plot scenes. It lets you carry over some equipment. It carries over your, for your skills. Lets you carry over your built-up fairy town. And, and even let's use up the bonus points, the, the bonus experience you've saved up, though not the levels. So let's just start over from the very beginning of the game with a lot stronger, so you can build up that strength and try to see if you can go further in the game. And this is one of those really charming points of the game for me. I really liked this part of the game. It's... It, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so did I. It's, it's the kind of thing that may turn people off when they hear or read about it, but it the way it's done is it's just so so perfectly fits into the game you know you get yeah. extra story sequences you're stronger so some of the battles you had uh struggles with are easier and there's shortcuts to kind of you know skip around the game so it's not like if you use this later on in the game you know it's not like you have to go through everything all over again uh the whole game is designed with this feature in mind. And it works with the story so well since like the D counter is constantly building. There's always the sense like this is a almost an impossible task. It really builds on the story sense that, you know, Ryu is doomed to die because of this power. The D counter is always counting. There's no escape from it. The only escape is to go back again and try better, do better. And it just and it's all put together perfectly. The um um you know, this is uh, this is something that sounds on paper like it's not really cool, but trust us on this one, guys. Uh, first of all, I, I you know it's kind of like Groundhog Day, but each you know I watch Groundhog Day like many people have, and uh, I kind of you know after watching that movie. Uh, and he's going through his you know day over and over again. It gets kind of lame, in my opinion. But in this game, it's just the opposite. Every run through will get you better and better. And and because the battle system engages you so well, because it is challenging, but you are getting stronger. There is that feeling of accomplishment that 
that RP gamers look out for. I mean, this is why we play an RPG rather than a first-person shooter because we want to see characters <laughs> develop and get more powerful over time, and this game helps you to fulfill that very satisfactorily. Um, there is a limited save system. You do have these coins that you have to spend that you find that are hard to find <laughs> that aren't just lying around all over the place <laughs> that you have to spend to do kind of a permanent save. Again, that sounds like it sucks. However, you can fast save wherever you want to. You can just jump and save. So if you need to go and take care of something, you can you can do a suspend save, and then you come back. That suspend save disappears, but you carry on right where you were at. What do you? Well, you have something for us, Nathan? Yeah, I just want to mention that basically there's a, a certain later Capcom game people may have heard of called Dead Rising. Actually, uses yes. various aspects <laughs> of the system. That's it, basically it works in makes in Dead Rising just the same way it works in Dragon Quarter, except it's a little bit more lenient to Dead Rising. And that's why Dead Rising works well. It uses the same kind of concept. Anyone out there who's played Dead Rising might want to think about how, knows how that works and enjoys that kind of system. Take a look at Dragon Quarter. It's the better version of that system. Even. Absolutely. You're getting a lot of the thrill. We've talked about this with the Parasite Eve. Uh, Nathan and I uh, agreed about how much we enjoyed some of the survival horror themes, the challenges that come with like the limited inventory and the such. You get that here. But you get a better sense of progression because, like we said, every time you do have to start over, uh, you're going to carry certain things with you, uh, plus your own experience of knowing enemies better that are just going to make you better and better so that each run-through you get further and further. But it's, it doesn't just feel like you're running through the exact same thing uh, like Groundhog Day because you do open up new dialogue, you open up new branches, new directions to go as you're going along. Yeah. Um. Speaking of uh, uh, other things to do, uh, there was a couple of also little side things you could do in this, right? Yeah, you can build a fairy town for one, again. Out of fairies. You <laughs> said, well, there's a fairy running it, but it's actually an ant town. Ant town, that's right. Mm -hmm. some reason. And they, this is kept from each game, opens up shops, gets all kinds of cool stuff from them. It's kind of a pain at times, but it's from also... From ants? Yeah. <laughs> What do ants have that I would want? Um, they can run cafes and open shops and gather tourists and play music. and They can dig their way into Kokon Hore, the game's super bonus dungeon. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this, these are not the same ants I have seen scurrying along the sidewalk. Nah. Oh, no. Well, no, these ones are bigger and they talk, even though they're kind of weird. I mean, from top to bottom, through the through uh, through the story, you will you will care more about these characters than than any other <laughs> Breath of Fire game, and dare I say it, more than most other RPGs. Uh, the, you'll want to find out what's going to happen. Uh, you'll want to, you know, the combat system, especially if you're just bored of the same old, you know, attack, attack, heal. Now. Let's talk a little bit about this. Dragon Quarter was not as well received as the previous Breath of Fires. We have to, we have to. This is the pink elephant now. You have to get it out. Um, in the game rankings, the critics basically, if you look at all the Breath of Fire games, it kind of falls in the middle. None of the Breath of Fire games rate is super high, um, but when you look at the user reviews, you see a lot of low scores. Um, 
Breath of, Breath of Fire. And there are then there are a couple of people on our forums who would echo those low scores. I've seen them talk. Breath of Fire, yeah. Dragon Quarter's biggest mistake or biggest sin, if you will, is the fact that it has the Breath of Fire name. Because a lot of people picked up this game expecting it to be another standard JRPG. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, however, uh... <laughs> they got something totally original and their brains got fried. <laughs> you know, they they just couldn't hand. They went wonkers. I, I, I'm telling you guys, if you if you pass this game up because you saw a bunch of low scoring reviews, uh, or you saw some people you know get all hot and heavy about the difficulty, uh, that's because that's because these are there are a lot of people out there who are who just want a typical JRPG experience picked no, up. Let's just say it in the open. If there's a lot of people out there with bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> Needs more cat girls. I mean, <laughs> most of those bad reviews, when you read through them, they invariably, you know, will draw those quick parallels. Not as good as the previous Breath of Fires. I'm like, what previous Breath of Fires were you playing? I mean, you just see, yeah. you see, seriously, you see the same. I mean, I, I just picked up a review at random. The very first line, not as good as the previous Breath of Fire games, especially third and fourth installments just before it. You know, I, 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 first of all, you're, uh, yeah, I don't even know how you go there. It's just. Let me let me take this for a minute. All right, the the Breath of Fire series was basically built on. Let's be honest, they're by the numbers RPGs that um, are very are very well done. I'll say that. I it's certainly not a bad series. Yeah, they've got um, charming settings and a few interesting elements, but this yes. game is. Yes, but you know, you can't you can't let expectations ruin a good game for you. You 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 can't just go into a game expecting this. Oh, I want I want the, this has to be exactly another one like Breath of Fire Four. I'm gonna hate this game. You need to just go in and play a game for what it is. And you know, I even me, I'll I'll, I'll make an admission that I did not buy this game until it was ten dollars at EB Games. Yeah. Just, like, for kind of the same, you know, the same kind of idea, but you know, it, it, I, I say it does fit in the Breathfire series. It has some kind of similarities, and you know, you just have to play it, play it for what the game is instead of for what you expect it to be. And I think that's the, the problem a lot of people run into with this game. You know, instead of saying, "Okay, this game is different. Let's see what it is," they just say, "This isn't Breathfire Four. This sucks." Yeah, I mean, I, I'll admit, like, along with everyone else, I saw the first character designs for Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, and I thought, what the heck is this? But, uh, now, I, mean, uh, I was appalled. On that subject, I but, should ask, does anyone consider Breath of Fire 4 to be their favorite RPG? Should Does anyone like that exist? Probably. I, yeah, probably. Maybe, probably? They have ever seen it. There's always yeah, someone. Before... <laughs> Before we move on, uh, the second reason why the game receives a lot of negative press is because of the difficulty. What happens is in 98% of the uh, JRPGs out there that you play, you put your party together, and as long as you don't wander to the dark uh, cave of super death first when you're not supposed to, for the most part, the, the battles are very simplistic and are super easy, and you don't, you know, occasionally you might die and have to immediately reload, but that, that's... You know, that's because you probably fell asleep at the controller. Um, okay. Total and, admission right here. I died in the game and had to restart at, like, the third battle. 
Yeah, in the entire game. I did, I did too. Uh, I did yeah, too yeah. I think I was like the fourth battle there. So, uh, you know, in Breath of Fire, you will. I think that's what you know really slaps people upside the head. They die and they have to restart. It's like what, really? Game over? And uh, you know, it, it fries their brains again. The, the brain just short circuits, and they don't take the time to explore the system. You are supposed to be kind of like the phoenix rising from the ashes. You're supposed <laughs> to die and be reborn again and again, each time getting stronger, getting further. Um, getting wiser um, that is part of the beauty and the charm of the game if you give it give it a chance and, and of course you know uh, when they couple that with the limited save system uh, that's where all the heart attacks start um, you know what this is one of those games where honestly the save system granted we want a save system but the save system you can almost toss it out the window because and i'm talking about the regular normal jrpg saves i'm not talking about the suspense saves because the idea of this game is you are supposed to die (laughs) yeah yeah and isn't the game not particularly long if you were to play it straight through so that needing to save often is not a requirement yeah Yeah, it's like there's only a limited number of saves but you only you have more save tokens than you really need anyways yeah, you're not and, yeah. and you can suspend save wherever you want. So it's not a matter of I can't go to, you know out with my mom cuz I'm stuck in the middle of this dungeon. It's not Star Ocean 4. Okay, so you really don't yeah. have to worry about that. Let's not talk about Star Ocean 4. I got a yeah. game crash at the end of an hour session when I haven't saved the last Ooh. hour. Ooh. Um so Ooh. now what I will tell you all to do right now uh, before you read any other reviews, go to rpgamer.com. Uh, do a quick search for drag. What is it? Dragon Quarter, Quarter Breath, whatever. Quarter, Dragon, Quarter. <laughs> Dragon Quarters, or, or whatever. Have you. Breath of Fire, Dragon Quarter, and you will see our reviews. Uh, we have eight reviews up. Um, we got three. Really? We got three staff reviews, uh, one unofficial staff review, and four reader reviews. Our average score. Is 4.06, which in RP Gamer terms, if you translate that to a percentage on most review websites, it's around a 90%. Uh, remember, RP Gamer scores don't translate into percentages directly. <laughs> um, it's a, a 4 is a great game. So um, uh, you compare that with the average Metacritic store, which is about 78, 70, you know, 78%, which is about boo. average. Yeah, boo. Critics suck. These are the guys who grew up playing Madden. Okay, you guys want a real RPG. You need to play Breath of Fire 5 Dragon Quarter. Now, I know what you're thinking, Phil. How much is going to set me back? I'm, I'm sold. I want to know how much jingle it's going to cost me. Well, you could go on the half.com and buy a used copy for about, you know, 10 to 20 bucks. But I know you listening to this podcast, you're a real gamer. You want the real deal. You want to pay as much as possible because you want to send a message to those guys upstairs that Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter is much better than the overpriced Breath of Fire 2 or 3 that was like 500 bucks. Unfortunately, there's not a brand new copy going for more than 48. So, uh, Phil, that's the best I can offer. Dragon Quarter, brand new, $16 on Amazon, Prime eligible. Oh, ooh, with free shipping. They still sell the copies yeah. of this game. Is that is that really um, from Amazon or is it from one of them third-party vendors? It's probably from some third-party vendor. But it is el- but it is eligible for Prime, so that means it's yeah. going through their warehouse or something. So that's cool. No, that's that's awesome. Yeah, well, I just pulled it up. Yeah, here you are. I hardly ever look there because they don't usually have games that sold. It's it's sold it's sold by Shark Distributors, but it is fulfilled by Amazon, and I've I've never had any problems buying a game when it was fulfilled by Amazon. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about I, that. I wouldn't worry about that. And free Prime, you're gonna get that. You're gonna get that bad baby at your house in two days if you got Prime. So, 
No, that is super, super awesome cool. That's a sad testament to how poorly this game sold. And also, I'd like to point out that on Amazon, the user reviews are... Three out of five stars, and, which almost made me punch my computer screen. And I will be sending a direct private message to each one of those people who gave it less than five <laughs> stars. Tell them that their taste in video games is no, wait, very wait sucky. I just, I just opened it up, and you know, they kind of Amazon has like a good review and a bad review at yeah, the top. Yeah. The bad review says, "Why does it have to be so difficult?" Oh, that's my the God. title. Okay. I'll answer that. You listen here, you you wimp. All right. Okay. Go back and play play. What was that game you got? A oh, Rhapsody. Go back and play Rhapsody, <laughs> and what other girly RPG you can find. And when you grow a pair of you know what, come back and play Dragon Corner. You're only saying that because Sam's not here. That's right. Think. Sam would have beat me up after I said that. Um, no, no, I mean, in all honesty, you gotta get, yeah, you're going to die, that's all, trust us, stick with it, you'll, you'll, you'll just fall in love with it, absolutely. I'm <sighs> tempted, I'm tempted at buying this new just to erase the shame of having bought it used originally. <laughs> I, I don't even remember how I bought it. Huh, it's yeah, been so yeah, long. Yeah, that's the thing, I think a lot of people that eventually loved this game didn't even buy it new, just because of kind of the... You know, the, the the opinions that were up, out there about it. Yeah. I, I probably beat up a kid while he was riding home from GameSpot and took it from him. That would be <laughs> more my style. Oh, uh, well, anyways. I got kids can't fight back. <laughs> yeah. Ed? Ed, are you rushing out to buy your copy right now? No. Bad Ed. Zach? Bad answer. Bad answer. Zach? For shame. I have a copy. I received it for free. All right, but you're going to go out and buy a copy just to point and make a point to the publishers. You won't stand for this, and you're going to vote with your hard-earned dollars, right? I'll just borrow Michael's copy. In fact, I expect all of you to go right now and buy every single copy of this game up. Send a message to the publishers. All right, vote with your you dollars. You might get it back in Listeners 10 years. Should help. Yeah. I don't want to buy all of them. I, I guess it blow. It really does. It, it, as as an RP gamer, it, in all honesty, it really does blow my mind when I see people paying top dollar for the same generic stuff over and over again. And there's really great original artistic RPGs like this one that end up in the five dollar bin. It just it blows my mind. Um, guys, don't buy into media hype. That's why you trust RP gamer because our and our reviewers, by the way, they finish these games. So this game that's supposedly hard has been beaten by each of these people. It ain't that hard. You just got to put the time into it and understand that, yeah, dying's part of the process. I know it's a hard mindset to grab a hold of, but trust me, once you grab a hold of it, it's it's freedom. It's awesome. <sighs> All right. It's easier than Dark Souls. Oh, my gosh, Dark Souls. That corrects me. Yeah. Which I've, which I've beaten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Most twice. Yeah, with the rise of all the hard games going up, yeah, with Dark Souls and Spirits and whatnot selling, you know, pretty well enough to get a sequel. Anyways, you think Dragon Court? Anyways, all right. I, I I actually wonder if this would have been better received now than it was originally. You know, that's a good point because you know, I mean, you do see games that you know are selling themselves just on being hard, like Mega Man Nine and Ten, and uh, the Dark Souls and Demon Souls and whatnot, and a lot of retro games coming out like Meat Boy and the such, which are like, yeah, we're super hard. And they're practically selling just on that line alone. Yeah, we're old yeah. school hard. And next thing you know, you sell you know eight thousand copies. Hey Phil, <laughs> yeah. remember Darkspire? 
<laughs> All right, Mike, you're off the cast. It was nice knowing you. All right, no. Dark. I was trying to support your point, Phil. No, Dark Spire isn't hard. It's masochistic. It is insane. It is sadistic. It is sick. And I forbid you to bring that up on the cast again, Mr. Minky. <sighs> I don't think I'll ever need to again. Okay. All right. We, we, got, we, got, we purged our demons, didn't we? Oh, we did. <sighs> All right. Uh, any last thoughts before we go ahead and take off? I have a few. <laughs> on Dragon Quarter. <laughs> yes, I have uh, a few more. Okay, go ahead. Um, if 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 you're still kind of iffy about buying this game and playing it, I, I don't know why you would be after all this praise. But Feel you know, it? I think what's that? Feel it. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the problems people have with this game is it kind of goes against your gamer instincts. Like, game overs aren't a bad thing. They're part of the experience. Um, You know, the fact that you don't have that many opportunities to permanent save, that's okay. You know, it... it, You just kind of have to play it for what it is and not go in expecting it to be what everything else is. You know? Just play it for what it is, you know? And I think that's a, when a lot, a lot of times when original really good RPGs aren't well received, that's the problem. People just want something. They want what, you know, that, that's kind of the, true for everything. You know, people want movie sequels. You know, they want the same old thing and don't always want to try something new. This is one of those instances where you want to try something. You, you should want to try this and you should want more of this. Because it is, I think, one of the worst tragedies in gaming that this series ended with perhaps one of the most underrated games of all time. Yeah, basically, if the video game industry is more mature, this would be winning Oscars, not being relegated to to $5 bins. Exactly. Yeah, certainly one of the – definitely certainly one of the tragedies of – of the uh, of RPG history yes. uh, on the PlayStation 2. I, I just, uh, wow. <laughs> I was just amazed after I played it. I'm like, really? Five ninety nine? I mean, <laughs> just, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's a steal. It's just, wow. And and, and I, while, while I've got, you know, uh, four Wild Arms games that all play exactly the same, uh, you know, that cost hey, me yo. 40 bucks each. Hey, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying they're, they're, you know, I, and the previous Breath of Fire games, um, you know, uh, Wild Arms games, the you know, Suikoden games, uh, they have a lot of strengths. They are good games. Don't get us wrong. They are good. Yeah. But Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter is great. It is great. And to say that you've played all those other games all the way through and you haven't touched Dragon Quarter, oh, man, I feel for you. It's like it's like somebody who grew up playing – uh, I don't know what's what's a good one. Oh, uh, like somebody who played Breath of Fire uh, on the Super Nintendo and never played Final Fantasy VI. I, I, I uh, mean, uh. you you missed the masterpiece for the generic. I mean, you played Super Mario two, but you never played three. Oh man, don't you feel for that kind of person? I don't think that's quite fair, Phil. Yeah, Super Mario two held me for quite a lot as a kid. I thought it was a good game. I liked two, but three was, of course. A much better well, represent- yes. If I'm if I'm comparing them, then three is the best, obviously. Yeah, that's but- that's what I'm saying. The, you know, the, the the previous Breath of Fire games, and uh, and this one, 
you know, the, it's like comparing Super Mario 2 to 3 or comparing, you know, one of the old Breath of Fire games to one of the old Final Fantasy games. They're good, but these other ones are great. Breath of Fire's, you know, 3 and 4, good games. You can have fun with them. You love JRPGs, sure. Go ahead and knock yourself out. But when you're bored of JRPGs after you played so many of them feel derivative off of each other, even if they're good, come to Dragon Quarter and, and have, have an original experience that's really fun, but leave your presuppositions at the door. Okay. Hey, uh, one final thing I kind of want to mention. Sure. One thing that really struck me while playing Dragon Quarter is very much the, kind of the wonderful tone and the atmosphere and the great oh, storytelling. It's really yeah. reminiscent of... It was really reminiscent of Vagrant Story of all things. Even some of the very music sounded very similar, and just like you know, that, the that's a good comparison. Is, I never really thought of actually. Yeah, uh, the, the gameplay is pretty different, but in many ways, it's strongly reminiscent of Vagrant Story, which is another game which is hard to approach, but I just really love for similar reasons to Dragon Quarter. Just wanted to throw that out. Uh, yeah, no, that's an absolutely great point that I didn't even I didn't hit on either. I mean, th- that's another way this game is artistic and refreshing. Uh, one of the reasons I do like Wild Arms uh, games is because the setting is completely different from other uh, JRPGs. You know, Dragon Quarter, yeah, you're in these mines and stuff, and that sounds generic, but when you're there because of the futuristic... Uh, I don't want to say steampunk, but... Uh, it, dystopian, I swear. Yeah, or... dystopian, sure, that's, yeah. that's much better. And the, the art direction just really helps to pull that together. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't say enough about it, yeah. Um, I, I won't praise the music, because I usually don't play with music turned on or really down low, or I just forget about it. So you guys can... I, I don't remember if it's memorable or not. No, guess not. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Was probably the weaker aspect, but it, it was it, there, there was nothing bad about the music. Yeah, it's not outstanding, but it's atmospheric and good, and, and certainly good quality. Yeah, I'd say it, it gets the job done and is very good, but not the kind of soundtrack that is even really designed to be memorable. So go back. What you do, what you do, got boys and girls, is you is you buy the soundtrack to Breath of Fire three, and you play that while you're playing. <laughs> Dragon Quarter. All right. No, maybe not. Just thought I'd throw that out there. All right. Well, I, I think we have loved on this game long enough, and if you haven't gone out and bought while we were talking, then you don't deserve to listen to the rest of the podcast. However, for those of you who already owned it and did go out and, buy, and or went out and buy it, hang on tight because we're, uh, we're going to have to uh, counterbalance all of this crazy love with some crazy hate. We'll be right back to talk about... Vagrant story, Flames of Dragonfire. Wait, wait, what? No! (laughs) We'll be right back. Alright, so welcome back. 
today on Blast from the Recent Past, uh, I'm going to be talking about Vandal Hearts Flames of Judgment. And Mr. Minky has just informed me that he's got a couple of additions I wasn't expecting that he'll be able to talk about as well. Uh, briefly, quickly, uh, but in his own distinct style. But let me go ahead and start off first with Vandal Hearts Flames of Judgment. Though I think it should have been called Vandal Hearts Flames of Dragon Quarter. Um, no, nah, that would <laughs> that would have disgraced the name of Dragon Quarter. Um, this was de- Vandal Heart Flames of Bad Art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This was developed by uh, Hijink Studio. Well, there you go, Hijink Studio. That that's where the problem started. Uh, published by Konami. See, I told you they didn't make good games. All right, uh, this is a uh, this is a PlayStation Three PlayStation Network release. This is not coming on the disc. You buy it and download it. It, it was released on January twenty first, twenty ten, and Blast from the Recent Past. I keep forgetting to mention. This our blast from recent past section is where we generally talk about games that came out roughly about two years ago. So this one is almost perfectly a two. Oh, let me look at that. What's the date today? The twenty fourth. So we're just three days late of its two year anniversary. Um, this is a single player uh, tactical RPG experience uh, rated T for terribly mediocre. So <laughs> Vandal, I I play Vandal Hearts one and two. And I, they are, they are a few aside from the Final Fantasy games and a couple of others. They, they are one, some of the few PlayStation One games I've kept. As I mentioned before, I didn't really care much for the PlayStation One era. We went to 3D way too fast, and when you play those games today, they really are just make your eyes bleed. They don't hold up very well. Some of the games I keep around because Final Fantasy games, you know, always have you know good replay value to them, and. Um, and a couple of others like Vandal, uh, Vandal Hearts uh, had some original concept, even if the graphics were, you know, PlayStation One. Um, but uh, I, pl- I played the first Vandal Hearts on Saturn, actually. Oh, did you? That which came you, out which on means Saturn. It was, it was never ported over here, but that didn't matter yeah. to me at the time. Oh, interesting! I never knew that's, that. Uh, that's what that's, that's right. They also had Suikoden on uh, Saturn. And and no doubt we will one day have a Vandal Hearts. Uh, backtrack where we will go into a little bit more details about the overall series. We might go into a little bit more detail about this game again. However, it is a blast in the recent past, so we're here to tell you. Uh, you know, in the blast in the recent past section, for those who haven't heard in a while, is also about hey, you know what? You pass up these games the first time. Maybe they're worth going back and getting now that they're on sale. Or maybe maybe you bought it and you put it in your backlog and you need a reminder to pull it back out. In this case. If it's in your backlog, you need to delete it off your backlog, and I'll tell you why. So, uh, but wait, Phil. <laughs> I thought Anna Marie Neufeld reviewed this game and was very praising. Get out! You're 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 pulling my leg. I don't, I don't think th- I am. I'll have to. I don't that think he is. I I did, I remember her review being gushing. Oh my stars and garters! And the only reason I won't put up a counter review is because I don't have the heart to finish this one. It just no. Um. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Flames of Judgment is a very much a by-the-numbers uh, turn-based strategy game. You start off... Yes, yes. Hers is the only review. She gives it a 4 out of 5. Oh. Says it's cute yet cunning. What? Cunning for what? A 3-year-old? What? Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. Not... Good points. Good points. Terrific battle system, solid menus, quaint story, bad points. Odd story pacing near end, long load times... Not newbie friendly. Okay. Well, the one thing we will agree on is the long load times. Um, okay. So the game starts out 
I don't I, I I don't know how you can say it's not newbie friendly, but on the other hand, I think it could explain a couple of things better. But it starts out giving you some basics. It's the standard tutorial here. Let me show you how to go and hit this training dummy uh, type of thing. As soon as you're done hitting your training dummies and shooting your arrows at the bullseyes and uh, showing that you know how to cast a spell, uh, all hell breaks loose. There's war going on. You're kids, but we need you to go help and kill things over there anyways. We don't care if you're kids type of thing. Standard JRPG uh, trope. The um, the battles, uh, interestingly, <laughs> all the battles are pretty much super easy. Buy the numbers, go up, hit, go up, hit, go up, hit. Everybody can can learn any spell, uh, which sounds really neat because now you've got this hugely flexible team. But, but you'll also notice that the big, huge warrior guy that you get with all the armor, he's already got so many points in using uh, his hammer axe. And there's really no reason to try to turn him into a caster. Your caster dude, on the other hand, already has got level 15 in certain spells. Eh, why in the world would you start training him how to use an axe? Um, this does, I mean, if you want to, you could make your team the jack of all trades, master of none. And that might be a good way to give the game some needed difficulty. Uh, but generally speaking, most of us who play tactical games know that you need a team of diverse yet specialized characters. And since these guys are already uh, certain steps ahead in whatever it is they come to the table with, uh, you're probably just going to stick along those lines. Uh, what in, in Vandal Hearts, one part that I did like is the way you level. It's kind of like a Sega Frontier thing where the more times you use a spell or an attack, the more it, it will continue to level up. And it is noticeable. Uh, my bow person was was pulling off such fantastic damage, and this lady, all she pretty much did was use a bow. I didn't even really have her casting any spells or anything like that. The spell was your name, Bow? No, but it should have been. <laughs> no, that's a good one. You, you funny. Um, so, um, uh, the, the casters, the more time they cast the spells, the better they, you know, the more powerful those spell castings will become, and you'll see them incrementally do more and more damage or heal more and more, uh, and the such. So by sticking with just a few things, you can make your characters very powerful in those few things or make them the kind of jack of all things. Mm, that part is that part is kind of cool. But it also kind of lends itself to, again, just being super easy because you really – everybody can heal, and healing is kind of important. So you're going to have everybody learn how to heal. It's it's not too hard to do. Give them the healing spell scroll. They cast it a few times. They've learned it, and now everybody can heal. Um so I never really had a problem in the the, the normal battles. Actually, the the first the only battle that gave me some difficulty was um, was in the overland view when you're in between battles. Uh, they have these icons that if you're kind of like me, you don't read all the directions that are available at the bottom of the screen that says press X for legend. Uh, you may not realize that that certain icon means. Uh, uh, um, uh, optional battle so I, I i was just thinking it was the next area i need to go to i pressed you know y or o or whatever without thinking twice next thing you know i've got an optional battle with a bunch of wolves since it was the very beginning of the game i only had three or four of the characters and normally you have you know almost double that number and so i found myself quickly outnumbered by a whole bunch of wolves and uh, and i barely won and that was tough and that was gratifying but once i got all the characters in the party uh, I just end up with one strewn out battle after another. Um, just nothing that really was terribly made me 
use my noggin too hard. Even in battles that seemed kind of close, I didn't feel like strategy made a difference because it was just it was just too much uh, kind of by the numbers. Um, positioning makes a little bit of a difference. If you attack somebody from behind, I, I believe you seem to do more damage. That wasn't explicitly said anywhere in the game, but you notice the enemy's all the time going after your back. And in a previous Vandal Hearts game, it was a huge difference. So uh, you kind of figure out, yeah, there's a couple things that aren't newbie-friendly that if you play previous Vandal Hearts game, like the back attacks, or you just watch the AI after a while, you just kind of figure out on your own. Or you read a, you read an FAQ. Um, the, uh, the, the menus, she says they're solid. They are bright. They're pretty, but I found the interface at times to be a little confusing as far as switching out weapons between the characters. I felt like that could have been executed, uh, a little bit, uh, better. The, um, uh, so I think the problem for me is that it wasn't, it wasn't a bad game, especially if you recommend this to somebody who's kind of, new i would almost i would almost say i would recommend this to newbies only because the difficulty level is a bit on the low side give them a couple of tips that maybe the game doesn't explain or you know refer them to a simple uh, faq for a couple of things because they the game instructions may uh, maybe i just missed the manual somewhere there was a couple things that had them been explained would have made the game even easier um but i mean i remember this one boss battle and there's like two there's two bosses and some backup and i mean it was a cakewalk uh, I just I didn't feel the difficulty at all, and without difficulty, a strategy RPG and SRPG doesn't feel very strategic. So for me, it was a it was a little bit of a letdown. I really enjoyed like Vandal Hearts one and two, and and having to think strategically and having to outthink the AI. You were rewarded for outthinking the AI in Vandal Hearts two, and if we get to that, we'll go into detail. In this one, I just kind of felt like my brain power is kind of useless because I mean, as long as I just uh, kept my fighters in the front, kept my arrow archers in the back, and the magic users healing when they needed to. Uh, it, it was just pretty much by the numbers. The story, um, oh, oh my gosh, how could I almost forget? Um, so the story was kind of, you know, cliche betrayal. Uh, the voice acting was, I suppose, okay. I'm not a big voice acting person. Um, it was nice that some of the things were voice acted out, so I, I won't knock that too bad. The graphics, oh my gosh, I don't know how I almost escaped this. Okay. So Vandal Hearts <laughs> games have always had questionable art direction. I mean, if you play one or two, the big heads and stuff and the blood spurting up in the air is kind of funny, but the big heads kind of gives it a cartoony feel, even though they're trying to deal with life and death situations. It's kind of a weird mix. In Vandal Hearts Flames of Judgment, it's the same thing, except they're big heads. Now you got these big heads in high definition. And they really look cartoony. It's almost like they're trying to make these look like Muppet Babies. <laughs> but they're 50 but you know some of the people in that game are clearly supposed to be 50 years old because they got gray hair and maybe a little wrinkle around the eye but they look like Muppet Babies it, it, it's it's really whacked I mean it's more whacked than the previous Vandal Hearts and you know I would say it's a love it or hate it type of art style but I can guarantee you 85 to 90% of the people are just going to hate it. it it just doesn't really work and I love unique art I love heck I even like the art direction Dragon Quarter when most people didn't like as far as the character designs go I love the way uh, the, the, the characters looked in that game this one eh, doesn't do it for me the graphics themselves would have probably worked on a, on a PlayStation 2 uh, in many respects they, they just really aren't uh, the textures are again it's a PSN game I guess I can't complain too bad but the textures are really bad and in some cases my characters were blending into the backgrounds and I couldn't even, yeah, I couldn't even see them. So 
I really, really can't recommend this game to too many people. I, I would rather direct you to uh, Ogre Battle on the PSP or uh, even a Final Fantasy Tactics, as old as that game is, uh, Front Mission 3. Um, there's there's just a whole bunch of other tactical games that I would uh, recommend be, before this. It, it's front not Mission a, 1 is probably better. Yeah, Front Mission 1. I would say I put in the same category for me as, oh, what was that game? Um, Luminous Arc. If you like Luminous Arc, that was kind of like a you know lighthearted, easy, tactical, by the numbers uh, type of SRPG. You'll probably be fine with this. You'll probably have a good time with this. It's not as lighthearted. It's not as funny. So you kind of take away some of the reason. <laughs> um, but it is uh, it is easy. It's just as easy. And I will say that I did find the the underlying mechanics and battle system to be a little bit more gratifying. Uh, maybe even significantly more gratifying than Luminous Arc. It was just the difficulty that was missing for me. So if you want it easy, you're going to have a probably, you know, <laughs> and you don't care much about the story and the characters, you'll probably have a better time with this than Luminous Arc. So, all righty. Well, that's my uh, five minutes in the sunlight. How about you, Mr. Minky? Well, I can talk about Sands of Destruction briefly. Um, let's see here. I guess I'll start with the story here, which I'm looking at my old review for because... You know, that's one of the handy things about reviewing games on the site. It means that I can look at them and remind myself of all the things that I've forgotten. Uh, Sands of Destruction began when Morte, an agent of the World Annihilation Front, which really doesn't seem like good PR, but apparently that works for this organization, um, committed a terrorist act. And then you are introduced to Kyrie, your main character, who manifests the ability to turn his entire town into sand which obviously makes him of instant appeal to Morte because, well, if you're working for the World Annihilation Front, you would want that sort of thing on your side. And I remember being entertained in fits and starts by it. You get, I think we can attribute this to Sega's localization, turning a, he's a teddy bear pretty much with a, with a pat, with an eye patch. And he has a really deep, impressive voice when he goes into fights. You wouldn't expect it from a teddy bear, but this guy's got it. Um, and combat is pretty interesting here. You get a string of actions that you can use instead of just one attack per turn, and you can actually gain more if you land enough attacks in one string. I'm not going to go into all of it right now because it's moderately in-depth and interesting enough that you won't get bored for fights, but bosses tend to be really aggravating by magically being able to attack more times with you having no idea how they did it. And I enjoyed it. I did not love it, but it was a it was a relative highlight of the DS for when did that come out? Two years ago now? Yeah, two years ago. Which is more than I can say for Glory of Heracles, which is the fifth in a series that has been stalled ever since the Super Famicom days. None of the early runs came out here. And this one, well, you get not one, not two, not three, not even four but five characters with amnesia. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I am not. They all think that they're gods, but that's all they know. They've got amnesia. And until they finally remember who they are, which is late in the game, you mostly get... Everybody knows that Nintendo does pretty good localizations, so you've got that to fall back on. But otherwise... What can five people with amnesia do for your plot? They can wander around and not know what they're doing. So that's what you're going to get for most of your plot. And combat, 
I remember combat having some interesting points, but I also remember every fight taking a long time. That's not a good thing in a game with frequent random fights, and these are frequent. Uh, it does get good near the end. I think you put that on the forums recently, Phil. Do games get better? This one does get better near the end, but you have to put up with a lot to get there, and I can't outweigh the bulk of the game being kind of flat. I will say that the sprites look kind of like those from Guardian Heroes, and that makes sense because it's the same character designer. Is that enough to save the game? No, it's not even terrible. It was just bland and unmemorable. Again, I looked at my old review because it was very helpful in reminding me of these things. So the DS in January of 2010 had a decent but not great game and one that I have more or less managed to forget. Not for ill or even good, but because it just refuses to stick in my mind. There we go. Hmm. All righty. Well, sorry, uh, <clears throat> sorry if the, uh, as we get near the end of the podcast, if that gets sounds kind of negative, but I tell you what, we're going to help you feel a lot better by letting <laughs> you listen to some more great, uh, Breath of Fire music, and then we're going to come back up and wrap this up with a much more positive <laughs> final lap. Hang on tight. Broke our podcast history. I don't. Inform replies. Do we? Do we do? Oh, oh, that. Yes. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, it seems like people still have very pointed thoughts on Star Ocean Four. <laughs> uh, you didn't even play that one, did you, Mister Apps? I played as little as possible. <laughs> I, I I like the battle system. Well, and and you know that's that's the common uh, that's the common theme that I hear from people who play it. They love the battle system. It's just the other elements, and that, uh, you know. And I was talking to one of my friends about it. He, you know, I told him. I, he's like, man, you feel you love good battle systems. You need to you need to you know go ahead and, and give this a shot. And I said, dude. All I hear is other the the total rest of the game is so bad. I even asked that game on that cast uh, if it was were you know if 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 you were a gamer like me who ninety nine percent of the game to use the battle system and the story is just extra frosting on the cake. It's great if it's there, but uh, you know but 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 otherwise would you play it if you didn't care about those other elements? I'm like no, the other elements are just so bad. You don't want to do it. You got you know. So I mentioned him those save points being so far, and all he keeps saying is, but Phil, you can always run back to the last save point. And it's only a minute away. I, I I don't know. Anybody can care to comment on that? Have you played it? No. There's a much better. There's a much better HD Tri Ace game you could play for its brilliant battle system. 
So I'm not quite sure why you would need to play Star Ocean 4. <laughs> what game is that, by the way? Uh, it's a little game called Resonance of Fate. Uh, you know, I, I need to sit down with that because I think we're going to eventually have it on a backtrack or something, or it's on the Blast in the Recent Past. Or I've been, I got mm. it just because you said it was good, so I went out and got it just because of you. I'm so, planning to put it together on a, a roundup of all the stray Tri-Ace games sometime. <laughs> Which means you'll have to talk about Infinite Undiscovery along with it. Um, all I can tell you guys is normally we kind of like to, to kind of go through some of the forum comments, but there were there were um, so many um, that kind of went back and forth, mostly about some of the challenges with 3 and 4. Um, so we, we highly uh, encourage you to go and check that out. Just look up RPG Backtrack in our history, and, and you can join uh, the discussion, which uh, might still be going on. I'm looking to see when the last post was. The 20th, so it might have died out. It's been four days. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's see here. What's uh, What are we going to be talking about next time, Mr. Mike? It's a pretty obscure one. Uh, yeah, th- this series is really obscure. I, I hope people are familiar with it. it something about a final and, um, I don't know, an, an illusion or a, an image. You know, final and some other unrealistic word that might complement that. Final mirage? No, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Final grenade. Final wizard. Thing is, I never knew that this series reached up to 12. Final bathroom run. What a great game that would be. Mega Man? Are you serious? Actually, actually, I don't think any (laughs) Mega Man sub-series has reached 12. Uh, We can't do 12 next time, Minky. I'm still not done with it. Mega Man 12? I'll be done with it in about, you know, the two years. So we we can talk about it then. <laughs> oh, it's not that long. My final clock time was only sixty hours. It's sitting right there on my PS3, waiting for me to continue my game because I'm only up to like twelve hours. You know, oh. so yeah, oh. I got some time to make up. I can't do that in two weeks, Mike. See, he's a taskmaster, man. This guy, he's just he's unstoppable. I thought you, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. You. <laughs> That's okay, I, Mike. I'm your your progress. Is not the same as I was led to believe. Oh, jeez, it's all about my progress at the end of the day. So, no, I, I've actually, I've actually playing through the game a second time because the first time I stopped halfway through, and I think I got distracted by ooh, pretty new game, and so I went down, sit down, play with it, and realized I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I started a new game, and then realized I still don't know what's going on. So I'm trying to pay more attention. It's I don't think it's paying off. I might have to go to an FAQ where somebody can translate uh, this this Ribbonstonalese or whatever it's called to English for me. Um, but no, that'd be cool, Cash. You want to make sure you join us uh, join us for that. Uh, yeah, I think we have plenty of people on staff who are familiar with it. Isn't uh, that right, Mr. Apps? Oh yeah. All right. So it is. It is uh, time to uh, to go around the table and ask each of you what you would like to share with our vast audience this evening. Anything you're working on, anything you've just put up on the side, or maybe just some hobbies you have, or your favorite game you want to talk about this week. I don't really give a care. It's open, <laughs> open forum, open table. Open mic night. Yeah. And we'll start <laughs> off with the mic man himself, Mr. Minky. Well, let's see. I am halfway through Shenmue 2 on Dreamcast. I will have considerably more thoughts whenever we do the Shenmue backtrack, but for now I will just say that having 
the subtitled version, after hearing what Sega managed to churn out on the Xbox version, is infinitely preferable. It's the same words, but hearing those actors speak them gratingly badly on the Xbox is not to be missed. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just reviewed Dragon Quest Four on the DS, another one I will have considerably more to talk about in the future when we do a show on it. And I more or less liked it. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it at that for now. And let's see. What have I seen recently? I just watched. I just rewatched Salt last night. My stupid DVD player kept skipping around, but it remains a pretty strong action movie, although I refuse to believe that being an arachnologist instantly grants you access to the borders of North Korea. I don't see the regime doing that. The Last Man on Earth is the first version of the story that would be the Omega Man and I Am Legend later, starring Vincent Price this time. Conclusion finds a very lackadaisical chase sequence, but for the most part, it's strong. Pee-wee's Big Adventure! Wow. Remember when Tim Burton was new on the block? Hmm. Watch Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is a surprisingly successful horror movie that takes a different tack of having three new journalism graduates follow around... Leslie Vernon, who is trying to make a name for himself in this crowded horror movie horror market where Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees just keep upping the body count and not letting anybody else get in under them. It's it's amusing. It I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh Yeah, I I can't go into too much more detail. The good girl reminds me of what Jennifer Aniston can do when she's not in the standard schlocky rom com stuff and it's a little weird movie, but I recommend it. Summerstock is when Gene Kelly and Judy Garland got together again. And boy, those two are fun to watch. Lots of good dance sequences there. And I'll just stop there because if I keep going with all the stuff that I've seen, it'll take a while. <laughs> all righty, Mr. Apps. Well, I'm doing Q&A as usual and recently... Uh, did a review of Dark Souls, which I actually managed to finish, which was uh, actually a wonderful experience, shockingly enough. Hmm. Um, and also, kind of to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the series, we've been playing all kinds of Mega Man games, including some games that are almost RPGs, like the Legend series, and some games that are definitely RPGs. Oh, oh, Mr. Apps. Battle Network series, yes. As I recall, X5 has those interesting boss names because somebody at Capcom was a Guns N' Roses fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, McWhalen. that is... Yes, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Duff McWhalen. I believe that was Tidal Whale in Japanese. Instead, now we get to remember... That was, that was one of the drummers for Guns N' Roses, I think. So now you can picture beating up the drummer for Guns N' Roses instead of yeah. a mechanical whale. <laughs> yeah, after about Mega Man 2, the the boss names kind of went off the rails. Um, I mean, if you look at, like, Mega Man X2, like, the second game in, into that series, they had... You don't, wheel, you don't think Overdrive Ostrich is a great name? Yes, we, Overdrive... Yeah, that's that's a great name. Right or a off. crystal snail. What what I couldn't get is why I didn't see cleavage cat. I I I, I was looking for that one. <laughs> didn't see it. <laughs> couldn't find it. 
No cleavage can. Phil! Yeah. You need to write Capcom. Capcom used to take boss name submissions, as I recall. Nice. Boss names and artwork style. <laughs> yeah, just uh, redo one of those cat pictures we had earlier and um, conveniently scratch out the copyright, and there you go. <laughs> well, it's they're both Capcom. Hmm. Think yeah, about it. Crossover. Crossover. Yeah, it worked for Street Fighter. Why not for Mega Man? <laughs> this is the basis of Breath of Fire 6. Hmm. Breath of Fire 6, the Wily Wars. Oh, next. It better, it better not receive only release on the Sega channel then. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Next. Uh, where was I? So yeah, I've been playing lots of Mega Man, and you know, finally appreciating the Legend games, which I kind of hated on back in the day for similar reasons that people tying this all together for similar reasons that people hated on Dragon Quarter because it wasn't another by the numbers Mega Man game, which is kind of a worse sin to hate a Mega Man game for not being by the numbers because there were so many of them. You'd think we would have gotten our fill, but no. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. Um, in a, Go ahead. Um, so yeah, um, if you want to write me into Q&A about anything, anything, especially Dragon Quarter or Mega Man, you know, have at it. You know, and I just purchased a brand new copy of Dragon, Dragon Quarter, so now I've got an extra copy. What are you going to do with that extra Perhaps copy? Give away. <laughs> I don't know. Mike, do you own Dragon Quarter? I could use that, sure. All right, there you go. Mm-mm. I guess I have to write you in a Q&A letter now. <laughs> you know what? You owe him like a Q&A for every dollar it's worth, and that game's worth at least $3,000, so get cracking. <laughs> Haven't you seen my letters, Phil? Yeah, yeah. He he has written in enough that I think he's earned this copy of Dragon Quarter. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to Mr. Wellhouse. Hello. Hey, you have anything for the group in this evening? Anything you want to share? Yes. Uh, I finished up a review for Fate Extra about uh, two weeks back now. I'm not currently playing anything, but thinking of writing a review for Dungeons of Dreadmore. Nice. It's a game that's on Steam. It's a rogue type. Uh, kind of funny, kind of challenging. You know, I've got that game, but I haven't gotten around to playing it yet. Is it fun? Yeah. It's uh, pretty brutal uh, compared to a lot of the console roguelikes. It's not quite as bad as NetHack or Atom in the going through lots of characters before you get a feel for the game, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a real neat skill system where you pretty much just take uh, seven skills out of a bucket of, I don't know, 21 of them or so, and then every time you level, you hit one of them to level up, and each one has a tech tree of between three and seven skills. So it uh, makes leveling up fun. Because you get a new weird power every time. Um, it's not um, one of those roguelikes that uses ASCII characters for the graphics, is it? Nope. 
Okay, good. Cartoony characters with big eyebrows. <laughs> and uh, he even has his own uh, mascot character, uh, Diggle, which is kind of like a prank, really. Uh, a little penguin guy with a rubber beak and the jigs everywhere. And other than that, I've been watching Twin Peaks for the first time. And that's about it. That's fun. Okay. Mr. Walker. I'll, 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 I will freely admit I recently, you know, going back on the Mega Man thing, I was so close to picking up a full set of the original NES cartridges for Mega Man 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and was ninja outbid at the last minute. Okay. Ooh. And how much How much was that up to? Uh, my max bid was 120. Okay, listen to me. <laughs> friend, friend with too much money. What I want you to do... Here's the thing. What, what I want you to do is I want you to go and buy the PlayStation 2 Mega Man Anniversary Collection, which has all those games and more, for 10 bucks, And then I want you to take the other, other $110 and spend it all on copies of Dragon Quarter. <laughs> and, I and, already have a copy of the GameCube Anniversary Collection. Yeah, it's better on the PlayStation. Anyways, oh, no. Dragon Quarter. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. Quarter. Dragon Quarter. Ten copies. But, but here's the, playing it on the Anniversary Collection just isn't the same. It's got the little blue bomber uh, guy. He's got little bullets. Now, yeah. Was I that auction for just the carts, or was it for complete? It was just the carts. I swear they even keep the oh. bull... I think there's even the, the slowdown on the snake level that I'm used to seeing on the second one. I think they even emulate the slowdown. How much is Mega Man 7 now? I swear they emulate the slowdown. I hope Mega Man 7 isn't much, because it's terrible. <laughs> I'm just curious because I seem to remember it being a fair amount when I looked for it a few years ago. Okay, everybody, everybody who's listening to this podcast, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write an email to jcservantandrpgamer.com and tell me the 18 million ways that Ed Walker could better spend $120 than on the Mega Man collection, which is available for 10 bucks. Okay, just write that all in to me. And maybe, and we can maybe he doesn't like using the GameCube controller for Mega Man. Okay, that's where he gets the PlayStation version. Because the but that's also still not the same. You know that the buttons are right on that one. The, the buttons are right are on that, that one. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah that, that is. True. I have I have to ask: Do you have an original NES, or do you have the one that didn't break? If a I have an original NES, and it still works, and it's hooked up to my HDTV. And I've got I'm a I've got a laptop with an emulator that's hooked up to my television, <laughs> which does the job for you know a lot less than hundred twenty dollars. And I don't feel good because I bought the games at one point, so it's okay. My conscience is clean now. I've also got the anniversary collection that I paid for. I keep handing cut my money over and over again, but you're handing it to some random eBay. Sell- no, no, Ed. All right, we're gonna have an intervention, Fred, after the podcast tonight. Just not the same. Dragon Quarter. All right. What else, Ed? Anything else? Movie stuff. If you haven't seen it, you should go find a copy of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I will affirm that. That was a very good movie. It's like an, it's an amazing movie, especially if you just have like a you're getting a group of friends together for a party or something, and just have that playing because it is so hilarious. Hmm. Okay. 
And then another good one for, you know, when you're getting together with your dorky friends. Ooh, I went there. Uh, it's on available on Netflix is um, The Last Lovecraft. <laughs> that one I have not seen. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's an independent film. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, li- I like to try and see them in the theater, but my local theater chain is run by morons who haven't even brought me the descendants yet. Yeah, but yeah, no. Tucker uh, and Dale versus Evil start, start has uh, Alan Tudyk from, um, well, most people should know him from Firefly. If not, well, there's something wrong with you. Um, I can confirm that. If, if you <laughs> haven't seen Firefly, why aren't, you, why aren't you going out and purchasing it right now? Uh, it, it, it's a reverse slasher flick. It's amazing. And obviously a comedy. Yeah, what if what if we learned all about those seemingly evil hillbillies who meet our bratty and obnoxious college kids at the beginning? <laughs> and we learn that the seemingly malevolent hillbillies are actually nice guys who are just trying to go out to fix up a new home while those bratty college kids... Uh, well, they're a bunch of jerks and assholes, especially one of them. Oh, they're also pretty stupid and really good at killing themselves. Yeah, yeah, very good at killing themselves. It takes real work to manage to jam your own self into a wood chipper, but that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I yeah. really need to see this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you need to, to see it. Or to impale your own self on a bare tree branch. Yeah. I didn't know you could run that fast, but these college kids are really good at it. Mm-mm. Yeah, you, you you need to see it. It is it is excellent. Um, that's all for like you know, movies and stuff. Mm. Hmm. Well, since we're on a movie kick, uh, let's see. The a uh, couple of days ago, the missus and I went out and saw a true vampire movie. Because, as we all know, vampires were never meant to sparkle in the daylight, unless, of Talk course, about an underworld movie. Unless, of course, they're in a you know in a rift tracks movie, then they're allowed to sparkle. <laughs> um, yeah, Break, Breaking Dawn Part One is coming out on DVD soon. You yeah. know what that means? Yeah, it was uh, that the thing you just underworld movie. Yeah, it's the underworld movie and you don't go to underworld any underworld flick for its deep theological immersion or uh it's 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 plot that's just gonna blow you away no no you just go there to see a woman in leather just shoot the crap out of everything for like 90 minutes straight and you know with some vampires and werewolves thrown in for good measure and and for that it was good it was pretty well there wasn't too many boring moments i think the last one i saw it was like the one where it was like a prequel and they tried to actually put storyline and plot to everything and it sucked yeah i just want to see vampires and werewolves who don't sparkle in the daylight go at each other and that's pretty much what kind of happened here it's still it's cheesy as hell it's just the 21st century version of a b-rate movie um 
in my opinion, but it, it's it's good for 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 that. It had the action and and lots of people died and blood and guts and that's what I'm looking for. I even get to see. I, I didn't even know they could do this on a movie, but you see like this. I think she looks like she's like 11 years old or so. Uh, this this 11 year old vampire werewolf chick or whatever have you just totally get the crap beat out of her and she in turn beats the crap out of everybody else. I, I thought that was like child abuse. They couldn't do that in movies. I was wrong. So that alone is worth seeing. Um, oh, I probably shouldn't say that in public. All right, so, um, uh, um, and I saw I, I linked. Uh, hopefully, we'll get this linked in the show notes. But uh, I linked it in the chat channel. But there's uh, there's this thing on I, IGN. I, I can't find the IGN link at the moment, but it's been going all over Facebook and everything else. And it's it's got the picture of if you watched Up. You know, that movie from Pixar, uh, you know, the first like eight minutes of the movie tells like the love story between the husband and his wife. And then the rest of the movie is the wife's already passed away. It's just him chasing his dream. And, and I remember like that first eight, eight minutes of that movie was pretty tear jerking. I mean, that to me is true love. It's being with somebody. It's not the whole romantic thing in the movies where you meet somebody and you're having sex in 24 hours. And yeah, that's not real love. Real love is you meet somebody, you get married and you sacrifice and you have an entire life with them. And that's what it kind of did in eight minutes. And the, and the thing says Pixar created a better love story in eight minutes than Twilight did in four books. That is freaking hilarious. So if we can get that image linked into the show notes so our viewers can see that picture, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. It's going to be my new wallpaper because uh, it's one of those you know inspirational formats. You know, it says fact <laughs> Pixar. Yeah, da. so that's pretty funny. Um, let's see here. So uh, aside from finishing up my run with uh, Vandal Hearts uh, Flame of Kaka, um, I played. <laughs> I've been playing by request from one of our listeners who dialed in to our new number. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, and he requested that uh, I do something on Dungeon Dragons uh, tactics on the PSP. So I've been working on that. And uh, and I don't want to disclose any thoughts until I'm ready to do a little segment on that, which we'll be doing soon. Um, but uh, speaking about that, um, I want to take a few moments out to tell you about an exciting new things we're doing here at the show. We call it Tell Your Story. You probably have heard some point in the past about a little thing called Story Corps. It, Corps. It's a place where, um, quote, Americans of all backgrounds and beliefs uh, with the opportunity to record, share, and preserve the stories of their lives. So, I mean, basically you call these people up. They record you. They ask you a couple follow-up questions during the recording. And many of their stories are saved uh, with these audio recordings in the Library of Congress for future generations to hear. Well, here at RP Gamer, we realize that our experiences with RPGs is much more exciting than any of that silly old story stuff from real life. I mean, hello, we slay dragons. I mean, come on. Um, yet we don't have a way to record our experiences for future generations to hear. But don't worry, guys. RP Gamer is here to save today. You see, now you can record your thoughts on your favorite RPGs from the way back when, right up to yes year, like we do here on every episode of RPG Backtrack. You too, the listener, can save your most precious memories for your posterity and generations to come to listen to. Now, imagine for a moment the excitement of children who at this point have a PS8 when they get to hear your voice saying, when I was your age, we had to use controllers to play RPGs, huh? That's exciting, isn't it? Imagine their delight when they hear you rant about the pains of unbalanced RPGs older than Methuselah. So 
You're asking now, Phil, this sounds great. So how can I immortalize my story? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked. First, grab a pen and paper here, boys and girls. I'll wait. Got it? Good. All right. First, write down your script or some notes. You'll want to have your thoughts organized for your big moment in history. You don't want to botch this up now. All right? Make sure you mention the game, the system, and the year of the release, just like we do here at the beginning of every show. Next, grab a watch and go through it one time with yourself. Time yourself as you're going through it. Okay, that helps you to prepare a little bit more and helps you to make sure that you're within the two to five minute window we're looking for. Uh, I've tested this as much as three minutes and it hasn't cut me off, so I'm pretty sure it'll do up to five minutes. Uh, we don't want to go much longer than that because then even I start falling asleep. All right, next, call us up at the RPG Backtrack. The number, I'm going to say it a few times, but the number is 801 810 Call it up. You hear my voice come in. As soon as you hear the beep, tell me your story. If for some reason you totally screw it up, just say so. Say, oh, sorry, Phil. Oh, I'm going to do this again. Hang up. Call back and try it again. As long as you follow these guidelines, your story will be immortalized on an upcoming RPG Backtrack show. We'll stick it at the end after we play the final credits. We're going to play them all. And you can always go to your friends and say, hey, Go listen to RPG Backtrack number 68, where I totally diss Final Fantasy Tactics. Go ahead, do that. All right, we'll see what kind of comments you get on forums. Go right ahead. So call us today, the number again, 801-810-5597. Now, one of the things I say on every show, we want you to write us an email, jcserveandrpgamer.com, or go to the boards at board.rpgamer.com. You can leave comments about the shows, questions, and that sort of thing. And if they're relevant to the next show, especially, we go ahead and we mention those and we answer those. But you can also use that phone number to call your questions in. In fact, the reason why I'm playing Dungeons Dragons Tactics is because somebody had called in and recorded a message for me to do so. So, by request, I will be talking about that game as soon as if I had time to get far enough into it to have a strong opinion on it. So, one more time, that number is 801 810-5597. That got y'all excited, Mr. Mike? Sure. Yeah, Mike's already ready to call in and talk about his... <laughs> Mike's just going to call in, even though he's on the show all the time. He's just going to call in and start talking about these imported uh, Game Boy Advance games that no one else even heard of before. I was thinking more of a Saturn game, actually. Nice. All right. Oh, that's okay, Mike. You're a host. You can do eternal live recording. You're, you're, you're cool. I know. I'm special. You're special. The rest of you, though, got to pick up the phone and call. And I'd say it's a toll-free call, but it's not. But, you know, most of you got cell phones these days, so uh, long distance really isn't much of an issue, is it? No, didn't think so. All right. Oh, let's see here, Mr. Mike. Are we forgetting anything? Uh, Well, it's not exactly backtrack-style news, but the site did just put up the... Best of 2011 awards. Oh, that's right. You're going to want to check this out. Let me tell you what. I think one of the things that blew me away, you're right, it's not exactly Batcha because it's new stuff, but I have to contribute here. And what, if I had the time, I'd go post on the boards about this. I was pretty surprised that Skyrim just wasn't at the top of every list, Mike. It's everyone's <laughs> game of the year. How did it not make it to the top of RP Gamers list? What's up with that? Did, did, when, which one of you guys didn't vote Skyrim at the top who gave my, uh, Mac a vote? I didn't vote because it was buggy as heck on PS3. Get out. Uh, what, a buggy game not be game of the year? Come well, on. Well, that wasn't the only reason, but that was a big one. 
Yeah, you know, that's what blew my mind. I'm seriously, I'm like reading all these reviews and it's just like, it's immersive, but the I got elephants walking backwards in the sky. I'm not saying it isn't a good game. <laughs> I'm not even saying it's not a great game, but how does this become game of the year? I, I just, I didn't I didn't quite get that. I, 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 I managed to break the game in the intro mission. Ooh, yeah, you see, and, and, I've, and I've heard a couple of people complain that there were even quest-breaking bugs. Uh, I don't remember if anyone said it pertained to the main quest or not, but I have heard of quest-breaking bugs. I, I just, you know, and I understand it's a big undertaking and there's going to be some issues, but this one had more bugs in oblivion, definitely. And how that makes Game of the Game of the... I think, you know, anything anything that kind of glares out like that should definitely be a red flag that might hold you back when there's other games that execute... Uh, much better and for a couple of ideas of what some of those games might be definitely check out our game of the year section we have plenty of sections for you to read through and these are these are uh, opinions by people who've actually played through the games for the most part not people who just you know played 10 hours of them in between maddens and stuff like that so um uh, and for genuine backtrack news i did do a few retro reviews recently one that We'll, we'll only talk about if we do a Dreamcast show is Armada, which, uh, well, if you have always longed to play a shoot-em-up that never ends, and I'm talking about an old-style shoot-em-up, a space shooter, where you just fly into space and shoot things that randomly spawn and never end, this is your game. And I believe the other one you did was a tiny little game called uh, Dragon Quest Four. Yes, there's that. But I also did one on Shenmue. Now, I'm kind of disappointed because you only gave it a 3 out of 5. Well, I I suppose that's because if I'm comparing it to Dragon Quest VI, which I played almost exactly a year ago, 11 and a half months, something like that, it comes out a little bit short to me. You know... And, oh, go ahead. And also because I was proofed by Mr. Wilson, who, as we know, is very, very thorough with his proofs and will not stand for any hint <clears throat> that your ratings do not precisely meet exactly what the score should be. You know, but but I think what disappointed me, Mike, wasn't how it compared to, uh, you know, number six or how it even compared with, uh, you know, my opinion of the game. It's really how it compared with Otterlin, who gave it a four out of five. Oh, <laughs> ooh, Yes. <laughs> You know, Phil, I was laboring under the delusion that I did not need to, to incorporate his perspective anymore, because as we all know, Otterland still reviews, and his latest review is a game called My Chinese Coach on the DS, which is apparently an RPG because he only reviews RPGs, so clearly the standards just need to broaden some more. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, you heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. Language coach games now count as RPGs, according to Otterland. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Um. Alrighty. Well. Hmm. So. <laughs> Let's uh, go ahead and wrap this up. As always, I thank you, Mr. Mike, for making, for putting this together, making this happen. If without you, it would be a pipe dream. <laughs> and uh, let's see here, Mr. Wellhouse, Mr. Rippling Apps, and Mr. Sprinter. You have managed to survive a three-hour-long or more podcast. How do you feel? 
That's what I thought. That's awesome. And as we thank you for snoring through the RPG backtrack. Um, so everybody else, hey, we thank you for listening to us this long. Do us a huge favor. Go on, jump on iTunes, and give us an eight-star rating. We'd really appreciate that. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions or comments on our boards, or email JC Servant, or heck, you can even do that whole phone call thing at 801-810-5597 and help shape our future shows. I might even give away something next week to somebody or next show if somebody really impresses me with their reviews. Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show RPGcast all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, breathe us to sleep. Five times Ryu and Nina adventured together. Their last adventure broke a lot of rules, angered a lot of fans, made a lot of new ones, and broke the number one rule of Capcom, that poor sales do not get forgiven. Maybe one day the Maximo treatment of reviving a long dormant property will be invoked, though. That's our only hope right now. Hello, my name is a legendary Zoltan. Zoltan! And I'm here today because of an intolerable, insensitive, insufferable, inconceivable, injustice in the world of RPGs. Oh my god, he's totally gonna rail on Final Fantasy VIII. I am, of course, talking about the unfair treatment of the Tri-Ace RPG, Star Ocean The Last Hope. Aww, Final Fantasy VIII. Ladies and gentlemen, this game is being severely underrated. Objection! What is it? Nothing, I just always wanted to say that. Now, what is the definition of an underrated game? Dragon Quest VIII. Jessica's Poof Poof should have bumped that one up to M for Mature. No, I'm talking about games that people are totally freaking wrong about. And now I should tell you why you should eject the Skyrim disc from your PS3 and throw that nonsense out the window and play some goodness sake in Star Ocean 4. And Q, Raging Elder Scrolls fanboy hate mail in 3, 2, 1. Starting with the graphics, the pluses are Star Ocean 4 has anime style characters with a large variety of extremely fluid animations. Oh hey, we've got our first hate mail. There are lots of environments to traverse and all of them are absolutely Unique, detailed, and beautiful. Dear Zoltan, Skyrim is effing sick. If you like Star Ocean that much, you must be a homosexual. The only negative comments I've heard about the graphics are that some people think that the interesting filters used on the environments look unpleasant. And to you, I say, go eat a submarine sandwich that contains an actual submarine. <laughs> That's pretty funny. See, normally a submarine sandwich doesn't actually contain a submarine. And if, if you were to eat one with a real submarine, that means you'd be eating metal and it would hurt a lot. That's a good one. Moving on to the sound. Wow, 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 wow. This includes the soundtrack, sound effects, and voice acting. Ooh, ooh, want to hear my impression of Nell from Star Wars in 3? Sure, why not? Okay, this is my impression of Nell from Star Wars in 3 in battle. Not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad, not bad. Ah! Beautiful. The sound effects are all very pretty and appropriate. Objection! What? I totally agree with that. There are tons of awesome sounding explosions and weapon firings combined with the cute menu sound effects they've kept since the first Star Ocean game. 
The voice acting is okay, considering the clunky script. Yeah, the voice actors themselves did well, so we still have a perfect score in the sound department. They all have unique, over-the-top anime voices that you'll either love or hate. And hey, if you hate it, that's fine. You have the right to be wrong if you so desire. And as for the soundtrack... Do you even have to ask? It's freaking Motoi Sakuraba! And I'm a Sakuraba! Amazing compositions with unparalleled sound quality. I believe most, if not all, of the instruments are live recordings and not synthesized. Are the synthesizer parts synthesized? Nope. Motui plays actual synthesizers on those parts. Now that is amazing. Next, we move on to the story. And this is where people start to play a hate. Don't hate Star Ocean players. Hate the get. Don't hate the players or the game. Break it down into three parts. The story, the characters, and the script. And don't forget the story supplement it comes with. What story supplement? Didn't you know it comes with like a 40-page novella? Uh, I, I don't remember that. What does it say in there? Well, like, there's this one part in the 360 version where you have to change this, and it says if you put the disc in upside down, it won't That's work. That's the instruction manual. Okay, you don't have to yell. Now, everyone says that the script is not that good, and they are correct. It's not exactly to the point, and thus is a bit unnatural sounding. So sue them. I'm going to sue the pants off of Muria. Or at least I would if she were wearing any. You know, Eternal Sonata had the exact same problem threefold, and for whatever reason, nobody condemned that game. Oh my god, how many times did I hear Polka say, I want to spend what's left of my life helping others. Oh, just give me your disease and let me die already. The other thing everybody says is, the characters are anime tropes. What's so bad about anime tropes? Nothing, man. You know what else has a lot of anime tropes? Anime! I don't see you guys giving up watching anime because it has anime tropes. Which makes you guys all hippogriffs. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. What did I say? Hippogriffs. Oh, hypocrites. If you don't like anime tropes, you should honestly still be able to enjoy this game. Because that is one aspect of the plethora that make up Star Ocean. And now we come to the story. This is where you are just plain wrong. Like the guy who thought Dark Souls would be more fun if you can't play with your friends. The story is freaking good. You don't like anime tropes? Or you don't like the script? Fine, but the story is good. Okay, what's it got? It's got crazy science fiction ideas. Massive paranihilation for the win. It's got fun plot twists. None of this is real. It's all just a game. And it doesn't do the one crappy thing that a lot of other RPGs do. So it doesn't have a scene where a guy breathes all heavily like... No, it has that. It doesn't have you going somewhere just to fetch something, nor does it have you just chasing someone and calling that a story. Oh yeah, I remember there was this one RPG I played where all you did was chase this one guy for the whole game. What game was that again? Oh yeah, Final Fantasy VII! And it is for these reasons that I deem Star Ocean for a story... Uh-oh, are you sure you want to finish this statement, Zoltan? ...to be vastly superior to... Oh my god, this is gonna be so bad, I can feel it. Final Fantasy XII's and Dragon Quest VIII stories. 
three, two. Oh, that was quick. Didn't even finish the countdown. All right, let's get reading these emails, eh? Final Fantasy XII had you spend 10 hours to run across the huge world for the sole purpose of picking up a lousy sword that was just laying around in some building far away. Dear Zoltan, you think Star Ocean 4 is better than Final Fantasy XII? You mother... I can't believe you, but mother... You must be... I can't believe... What the... The... Can't say whatever the hell you want. And Dragon Quest VIII had you chasing around this one guy for half of the game, and then spoiler alert! After you finally catch him, you have to chase after his stick for the rest of the game. Dear Zoltan, how dare you talk bad about Dragon Quest VIII? Maybe you should give up game reviewing and go back to fortune telling. What the? Oh, I see what he did there. He's talking about the Zoltan machine in the movie that made Tom Hanks big. That funny guy. And that leaves us the best and most important part of any game, the gameplay. Even if you didn't like some of the things we've already mentioned, the gameplay more than makes up for everything. Can it make up for the part where Edge says, Everything, 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 everything! Trust me, this game has it all. Crazy action-y battles that everybody agrees are awesome. It's got item creation. Oh, sweet, I'm gonna make an Orihelcom pelvis protector that has a big spike on the front. It's got item customization. Oh, sweet, then I'm gonna add the penetrate ability to it. It's got tons of skills, eight playable characters with unique moves. It's got selectable difficulties. It's got a bestiary and other collectibles. It's got harvesting from the environment. It's got insane bonus dungeon. And just screw one-winged angels already because Star Ocean has six-winged angels and they are way harder to defeat. I don't know what else to say to make you want to play Star Ocean 4. I know what else to say. If you buy Star Ocean 4 new, you also get a delicious carrot cake with it at no extra charge. In conclusion, Star Ocean 4 is a game that you can play any way you want to play it. You can play for the story. You can skip the voice scenes and just read what happened. You can go crazy filling out collections or not. You can grind a lot or not fight any minor battles at all and still beat the game. It gives you all the choices you could want a traditional linear JRPG to give you. Thank you very much. This has been the legendary Zoltan using all of his power to turn your otherwise plain and boring ass into your RPG playing ass. Hello everyone, this is Cassandra Ramos, and today I'd like to talk about the very first Mother game. While the Earthbound Backtrack was many episodes ago, I wasn't a staff member at the time, and there was only a brief mention of this game. As I recall, no one on the, on the episode finished the game. Anyway, Mother was released for the Famicom in Japan on July 17, 1989. I'm sure you uh, know the story of the almost North American release, so I'll just talk about the game itself. For an RPG NES, NES or rather the Famicom, the story is surprisingly original. While most other RPGs, computer or console, were stock fantasy, Mother takes place in America in the late 1980s. The story in game may be kind of vague, but there are enough tidbits to make for an interesting plot. Perhaps the most intriguing parts of it involve Gage, the game's last boss and main villain. He's a ruthless alien leader bent on conquering the Earth, but still feels grateful to his surrogate Mother Maria, the great-grandmother of the game's hero Ninten. Despite this, it was her song, The Eight Melodies, that used to make him furious as a child, and is the very same song protagonist used to drive him away. An alien by the same name, in the Japanese version that is, although Gigias in the English version is rather similar, appears in the sequel, but fans to this day debate as to whether or not he is the same being. Then there's the whole business of the so-called secret George Stoll, and speculation as to how Maria became Queen Mary and created or was trapped in Magic Hand. 
I should note that Gage's striking similarity to the Pokemon Mewtwo. Since the developer of Mother Ape became Creatures, Inc., now owns um, one-third of the copyright to the Pokemon franchise, uh, as, as well as the fact that the uh, main Pokemon series has some similarities to the Mother games, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Mewtwo is supposed to be a sort of homage to Gage. Anyway, although Mother is not as wacky as Earthbound for the SNES, Mother has several moments. The first battle is against a lamp that suddenly attacks Tintin. There's the whimsical world of Magic Ant, with its pink, cloud-like Earth, a man that likes to mimic Nintendo's father, and swimming cats, some in the water and some on the ground. Don't ask me how that works. There's the party member Lloyd is found in a garbage can of all places, and his father is also found in one later on. And, yeah, the uh, graphics are decent as far as NES games go. The music is quite good, though I especially like the vocal version found on the game's official soundtrack. I find the battle system to be dull, but considering the era it came from, I don't really hold it against the game. Overall, it's a, it's a charming and quirky game that I enjoyed, and do wish had been released here in North America in some official fashion. <laughs>